0: All right, North South Connection, we are back with another installment of Making the Case.
1: This episode, I'm joined by Ryan Everett. Ryan, what is going on? What, How is Chicago? Oh, we're doing good. We're, you know, experiencing that weird late fall weather, and then we're going to be going into winter for the next five months or so.
0: Yeah, same ordeal here in New England. Real quick, the people want to know, is Justin Fields for real or is just a blimp on the map?
1: I hope so, but being a 36-year fan of the Bears, the quarterback position has never really, never really been solidified. Hopefully, this is it. Yeah, here's the thing: the dude can run around
0: and make some plays, but once they kind of take that away, can he make the throws? That's the next level question for him. But I think uh, you got a chance. It seems like early on, but you might have the best quarterback in that draft, and you know people penciled in Lawrence to be the, the sure thing, but. Jeez, Field looks like the guy right now this week. But, you know, that's that's how it goes. Evan flows with the rookie quarterbacks or the young quarterbacks.
1: Yep, yep. It's going to be – it'll be fun to watch at least.
0: Yeah. But uh, we're not here to make the case for Justin Fields. I think that will pan out in your favor or not. We are here to make the case for part one here, and that first part being the heavy hitters. Um, Who are you making the case for, Ryan.
1: I am making the case for the man from Parts Unknown, the ultimate warrior. The ultimate puke. All right, good. So
0: I had warrior 23 in 2013. Do you know where you had him?
1: Yes, I had him at right there, position 26, actually. 26. Okay. I was actually higher than you on the ultimate warrior. I had him at 23. And I look back somehow the place to be had him at 35 which i think is a gross understatement
0: yeah that is a little that's that is kind of rough i'm not gonna lie buddy um i uh obviously if i have him at 23 i'm a little higher than i'm on most but i think the it was an interesting case for me to pick the guy to go up against him because i'm not really a worried attractor i look at the positives and i think he has a lot of them and the negatives sure it could hurt him against some people but You know, his charisma, star power and connection with the fans is a reason why he's up there on such a short run. But the guy I went with him is a guy with a long run in the second part of a run right now. And as the Rated R Superstar Edge in 2017, I had Edge 19, four spots ahead of Warrior. Uh, Different careers, but kind of the same ballpark for me. Where did you have Edge in 2017?
1: Yeah, I actually had Edge at 27, one below the Ultimate Warrior.
0: So there we go. Kind of the same area for both of us. Do you have where the nation had them back in 2017?
1: Uh, yeah, I, yeah, that was right around 20. It was 24.
0: 24. Okay. So I'm the highest on both these guys with the, you know, the median score in you and I. So that's an interesting take, too. Um, you seem to be the median on Warrior, and you seem to be the lowest on Edge. But Edge is pretty much, uh, so real quick, Edge was higher than the Warrior in 2017.
1: Yes. Yes, by about 10 spots
0: 10 spots I would not have guessed that I'm, yeah I'm, and
1: it's kind of interesting seeing the guys that are above a warrior but below uh it's not really guys I would I don't know I think maybe this time around people will look at the matches more of some of the guys like your Ted DiBiase Jake the Snakes
0: yeah there's just the lack of <laughs> you know type of things opposed to the you know, the, the nuance of really just the character and the memorability and blah, blah, blah. But this isn't a Debiassi or Jake the Snake podcast. This is the no,
1: Warrior. Plenty of those on the North-South connection.
0: Yes, but here we are in November, um, mid, mid-November here almost, and we are about 45-ish days away from submitting our lists. I'm talking about not even starting my rough draft, but I think it's easier this time around as where we have something to work off our 2017 list. So it's kind of not as, you know, grueling of a task as in 17. And even if you're a newbie and you you want to make a list, you kind of can go off the median list of everyone's score and then help, you know, tweak it with your own opinions and your own views and add the new people fresh in your mind the last five years, too. So that's another option for you newbies out there that want to kind of jump on this project late. It's never too late. It's just late January 1st, 2023. (laughs) you know what i mean but tyler oh excuse me tyler oh oh, 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 i'm extremely sorry about that ryan oh no problem that was that's very rude of me to refer to you as tyler i'm sorry (laughs) you know it's been a while for me i'm deep into football season i'm just yakking about how i tomorrow i have my last game i gotta take a two and a half hour trip to upstate new york not really upstate new york albany new york but for massachusetts that's quite the hike for a fucking high school football game but hey we're, those are those are the, that's how the cow goes buddy and that's how we're going but it's been a while for me i know you and tyler did greg the hammer vs. Sheamus about a month ago so let me refresh everyone on the 10 categories we look at here one being longevity two charisma three star power four flexibility five peak moments six storylines seven promo skills eight character work nine work rate and ten being match resume so tyler oh jesus ryan are you ready to rock and roll again Yep, I'm ready. All right,
1: what do you have for the ultimate warrior in longevity? All right, so his longevity, it's a little uh, chopped up, but he came in in late summer of 87, right around, like, October, September. Started working shows then, then kind of as the dingo warrior to start, and then about two weeks into that, he just was the warrior, then the ultimate warrior, And they kind of just had him do his squashes for a while, and he kind of built up. 88 is kind of when he starts showing up on the main shows. He's at the Rumble, WrestleMania, and then he is a main star from there until uh, August of 91, where at SummerSlam he runs to the back after Colonel Mustafa and General Adnan, and supposedly Vince McMahon was waiting right behind the curtain at Madison Square Garden, and Fired him as they were, he was, the Warrior supposedly held him up for money for, to work the SummerSlam main event. So, they went their separate ways for, until April of 92, when the Warrior came back, just as Hogan was getting ready to leave. So, he's back in April 92, and he's there until uh late October 92, right before Survivor Series, so maybe November, October. And he is fired for steroid. HGH was sent to his house or something, supposedly. But, again, the Warrior versus Vince McMahon stories, it's very contested, let's just say. So we'll <laughs> give him about six months there. And then in 96, he came back at WrestleMania and wrestled until july so and then he was fired slash quit slash sued the company you know the whole trifecta there and that was in july of 96 so he was there about four months 10 months or no six months in 92 four months in 96 and then about four solid years from 87 to 91 so i'd say about just under five years total four years ten months if you want to be technical about it yeah it we'll give, really matter give from, the five uh, it's not going to matter compared to who you you're yeah at, so. edge wins just went easy you know shows up
0: around the tail end of 98 ish uh you yes. a few you know a few jobber appearances before that but um at the tail end of 98, he I believe he works SummerSlam against Owen in the mixed tag. Is that correct? But um, uh, it
1: was 90, SummerSlam was him and Sable versus Mero and Jackie. And then at Breakdown, he fought Owen. All right. So that's with, that Christian uh debuts, like just dressed like Edge and stuff.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. So they are quote unquote brothers. They link up with Grain Grill and become the brood around WrestleMania. 15 they link up with the ministry and then a little bit after that they kind of break away edge and christian kind of find a groove from 99 to 2001 where they are a historical historical tag team top 10 on any list uh top five on a lot of lists top three on some lists top one on a few lists not mine but you know you get the gist of it an all-time wwf tag team with his quote-unquote brother christian um they go on to break up or split their different ways edge has a killer baby face rise in my opinion from 90 from 01 to 02 where he kind of cracks his neck at the royal rumble or the no uh, no way out 03 is his last appearance i believe he needs neck fusion for the first time or back injury or something but i really like his 02 run as a single guy uh his. his we'll get into it later with kerr in the smackdown six stuff and uh, i think it's a really underrated strong year for him and it It helps makes it makes this case for me a lot of uh, for flexibility and yada, yada, yada. But we'll get into that in a little bit returns around four after WrestleMania 20. Uh, I believe we get at WrestleMania 20. We get that cool vignette and he shows up soon after that. Kind of flustering in the mid card, wins the IC belt as a babyface, not really getting over. Turns heel, does the Matt Hardy bullshit, links up with Lita, turns into the Radio Superstar, has a hell of a 2006, or yeah, a nine, uh yeah, a 2006, hell of a 2006 for Edge. Really staples his career and solidifies him as a main eventer. He finally makes it, obviously money in the bank being key to that um he kind of fluffers a little bit getting into a little shit he doesn't have a wrestlemania match in 07 he's in money in the bank um but the next year he made events wrestlemania with the undertaker um pivotal moment uh kind of a love slash overrate match in that i'm more on the love match four stars in that wrestlemania match um uh, it's a long WrestleMania, but I think he's the right match to deliver with Edge, and I think he delivered. Uh, Hell in the Cell, SummerSlam, some bullshit in between, but that's how the story goes with that stuff there. But overall, and then it gets, and then he oh he gets hurt again. Oh, at the end of, uh, so then he kind of just mutters around in the main event scene, does fine, but you know it doesn't really live up to the hype of '06. Gets hurt at the end. Of '09, no, he gets hurt in the middle of '09. Was he starts a tag team with Jericho? what's it an Achilles heel or something like that? Yeah,
1: I think it was a yeah Achilles tendon or something along those lines.
0: So he's gone for six months or so. Returns at the ten 2010 Royal Rumble and is back for 14 months before he gets bad news on his neck again and has to retire. Uh, in between that, he has a terrible uh, feud with Kane at the end 2010. Um, i like the jericho stuff it's still not neither of their great neither of them peak stuff but i thought it was good solid stuff for the two you know awesome guys in the prime of their careers um but then edge returns after nine full years off and a surprise 2020 royal rumble all-time moment uh great build to wrestlemania 36 Those promos with Orton were fantastic. Real jump-up stuff for Orton there, too, that helped solidify him as a GWWE case there. And that was kind of due to Edge helped a lot there. Um, but really, that disappointing WrestleMania 36 match. I went two and a quarter, but still, it was bad. If they shaved off fucking 15 minutes, we're looking at a pretty good match. Only Bret Hart would give that a, you know, a 40-minute classic there, saying it's the best match on a WrestleMania card there. Bret, I'm sorry, brother, you're wrong there. But uh, yeah, but they would make up for it at Backlash that year. A little cinematicy. It's this is the, the dead of the pandemic, the dead of the empty arena, um, just woof of like wwe stories there as they try to find their placing before the thunderdome a lot of uncertainty but those guys go out there and have a cinematic ish style match a lot of kickouts a lot of callbacks but it was laid out beautifully and it was a really really great match i went four and three quarters on match if it wasn't like empty arena if it wasn't like so laid out and cinematic and edited i would have went five on it but i really loved that match with orton and they made up for the the debacle that they had at wrestlemania um edge would go on to again hurt himself in that match i want to say it was his elbow i think he hurt there but I'm going off memory here, but he hurt something in the middle of that match too. So you know, kudos to Edge for kind of toughing that out too and to put on such a performance. But anyways, he would return at the Rumble 01 or 21, go on to win from the number one or two spot. I don't remember. He took a cat nap for most of that Rumble. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was a fun rumble, but he won. There wasn't really anyone else to win. I personally would have went Brian, but I understand the uncertainty of Brian not renewing his contract, but then it Brian made his way to the main event anyways because Edge and Roman just didn't really seem to click. Um Edge had heelish vibes, but he was going for the babyface role. Um, Roman was on the rise in a groove, but it just it just didn't feel like it clicked at this moment. Um for the it was two
1: Thunderdome, so it was still kind of yeah Uh, figure out how people were actually
0: yeah edge delivered some really good promos but it it was just really hard to connect and dissect so they ryan and sorted himself and i believe it was the right call they would go on to have a fantastic wrestlemania 37 main event between roman edge and brian um Oh wow, god, I love that match. It's a really great WrestleMania match right there. First match back to uh Edge would go on, I went 4 and 3 quarters on that one. We'll get into that later. Edge would go on to face Roman Singles at, at Money in the Bank, the first live pay-per-view back from the pandemic era. I went 4 stars, a little long, um but it led to the Seth Rollins feud, which I had WWE feud of the year last year. Uh I really loved their three some match him SummerSlam 4 stars best match on that card probably i really loved the smackdown uh september 11 ish 2021 match where uh edge does the stretcher job four and a quarter there and then the hell in a cell i went five at saudi i absolutely loved it opened the show it was an actual hell in a cell match that meant it i love that feud i love rollins with the in-house promos i love the the emotion and anger the Everything Rollins brought out of Edge there, um, kudos to him. I really love that feud and I think it was underrated and underappreciated. Um, Edge would go on to move to Raw here, had an okay match, okay feud with Miz. Miz being his first feud was kind of a little surprising, but you know, kind of cool in a way too. Um, that's a match that you didn't really expect that you wanted, but they had a pretty decent three and a half star match at Day One. They would go on to have a fun mixed tag match with the wives at, at Royal Rumble, and then Edge would go on and start the aj styles feud and this is where it gets a little murky um the heel stuff was unnecessary in a way but it was sudden and it just felt like why so that was kind of like edge we don't really wanted to edge wasn't really being ready to be accepted as a heel or willing to be a heel by the fans but he forced it and it was just felt forced he would go on to make the judgment day which took away from the wrestlemania match wrestlemania match was a little disappointing i went three and a half it's a good match a very good to a very good match it was just a little long and it was the first match of a feud and the feud really never culminated the feud was always there to build the judgment day um the v- judgment day has found their footing without edge and feuding with edge has been uh, key to that so i don't want to call the judgment day a complete failure but i'm sure the judgment day isn't what they thought it would be at first with edge at the helm so that's kind of a tick against edge in a way but i think he redeems himself in his last match here i went four and a quarter in the i quit match at extreme rules this year against finn balor absolutely love the match a little long which is kind of a theory to edges matches here but um fantastic stuff from uh edge in the desperate just the final stretch of that i don't know if you watched that live or uh, not live or in general uh, since the current match but um just really the final straw of that match in the final in ring, like when they finally landed back in the ring just the drama and everything just just pinnacle edge there and a reason why he's on this list in my opinion so high so i don't that's edge in a nutshell he wins longevity uh i'm gonna breeze through a lot of stuff since i kind of just laid out his career in a quick snippet there for longevity so i will go back to that in other aspects here but I'm, i don't want to keep hampering on stuff so edge longevity But times three, but that's you know, that that is what it is. You know, that's that's an easy one for Edge. So I kind of just skated on a bunch of stuff, which I'll kind of dip my toes into in other categories as we go along. But what do you got for the ultimate warrior and charisma? I think this might be a high one,
1: yeah. So, I mean, charisma, you know, you could describe it however you want, but just his ability to connect with the crowd. Like, I'll talk about promos later, but like, just his ability to. Coming out to the ring, the running, the constant motion, you know, slamming his head and shaking the ropes and everything. It was just so such a different experience than so many other guys, you know, even like, you know, the Rockers would run out to the ring and stuff. But it wasn't the same as this guy because he looked like a maniac, like he was going to kill you. And it definitely connected with the crowd to the point where you know, pretty soon he was competing with Hogan for pops, which was unthought of in the eight, well, late 80s for some other person to be getting Hogan-level pops. But the Warrior was definitely doing it. And he kept it up. I mean, his style didn't really change any time, even in his two comebacks. You know, 92, he changes his appearance a little bit. He had, like, the shorter hair and the... Body suits painted on, but, you know, still the same act in the ring. And even into 96 when he made his his ill-fated four-month appearance, he still was, you know, look, you could watch the WrestleMania match. It still seems like classic, it's a classic Ultimate Warrior squash just with a pedigree at the beginning. But, you know, it's that same pace throughout the whole match, which made him stick out so much more than most of the guys at that time
0: yeah um this is easy easy warrior for me just because it's he's just so charismatic that's why he got over but you know edge's charisma is nothing to sneeze at um if it's with the brood like i said um it would shine the head nod the entrance with the brood that's just such a memorable entrance and edge was a part of that i'm sure it kind of helped him find himself too with presence and everything with just so much you know audience around him and everything in that just the charisma leading to the tag team with christian coming out of the brood where that just the five second poses the the timing where he would shit on the crowd every time he would suck the crowd in and then shit on him it was new what it was coming but he found ways within his charisma to get there and deliver it perfectly if it's you know dressing as elvis or looking between his legs with a, you know the the fucking Buck, 1986 yeah. buckner or whatever so it's just kind of that's his charisma really helped get him over and then charisma helped really solidify him as that cool cool mid-card baby face on the rise winning king of the ring and it just he just felt fresh and cool in 2002 where he was literally a white meat baby face in a land of giants. You got Hogan, the rock flair, you, you know, I think
1: he was too cornball.
0: Stone cold. Ah, I think that he was in a way. I think the cornballness, like kind of, I felt it when he returned really, okay. you know right? because yeah. I, feel, I, I felt like he was corny when he would try to move up the card. But when he's just that, dude teaming with hulk he just felt like a happy-go-lucky guy but yeah, when it, yeah. you know when he, he had that nice slow burn rise up the card because he's a Shawn michaels return triple h all these guys kurt angle all these guys around him right eddie benoit So he wasn't really needed to be that guy that he was super needed to be in 2004 when he would return. That's where he felt forced, and that's where he felt corny, and that's where he had like Jeff Jarrett vibes to me, you know what I mean? But when he was just in the Attitude Era or the early Ruthless Aggression Era, and there was so much star power, he just felt – like he was on the rise, a future star, and he could be that mid card guy, and I think he excelled at it. But yeah, sure, was he corny in spots? But I don't really think that. I th- I felt like against Kurt, he belonged. You know what I mean? In two thousand four and five, I don't think he was really felt like he arrived yeah. until he really got with Shawn Michaels at the tail end of that. You know what I mean? So, I I get what you're saying. I felt cornball vibes from him in the past, and I would again, I would feel him like. 2010, late 09 is when I would feel that cornballness again. You know what I mean? Like when he returned from the Rumble or right before he got hurt, that's where I felt that corny ballness too, but not really, not really when, especially kind of right before he hurt his leg or his knee or his neck, whenever with Christian, that's where I kind of felt a little cornballish. So I, I know that he has that cornballish in him, but you know what was cornballish? It was when he fucking feuded with the Regal. That sucked.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's what I kind of think with like babyface. Yeah, I guess when that get it kind of evens out.
0: Yeah, well, like I'm talking post post that stuff when he when he when he was with Regal and kind of doing the the, the goofy gimmick without really Christian around. The comedy is is a lot of it is. At that part is Christian and Edge 50/50. Well, kind of a little right. more Christian in yeah. my opinion, but they needed each other to get there. Coming out of that, they weren't ready to kind of break through. But Edge found his footing really on SmackDown post that. So let's just put it this way: under Heyman, he didn't feel corny, you know. If you know what I mean? Under yeah. the, under the warts on Smack, on on a Raw, he kind of did. If that kind of makes sense to you, because that Regal stuff to start O2 was rough, you know, like that was that just felt forced and blah but i don't know evan flows and then the charisma in the rated r superstar with lita you know unbelievable the charisma with with vicky unbelievable my my familiar whatever nice little playback to verbiage with eddie right there but um edge at times it's hard for him which kind of hurts him to keep him out of the top 15 really or bought keeps him a, you know, in the higher teens, is that he never really did it alone. He always needed someone to yeah. get connect with to get over. You know, if it's Vicky, if it's Lita, if it's Christian, whatever. You know, what I mean, especially at that main event level, that he he needed someone to play off of on his side to get him over in a way. So, is that a tick? Sure, but it's also. Not a bad thing, you know what I mean? Like it's it's like he still plays the part. It's just not a solo part. But I don't know, charisma, I think it's strong. I think it's flexibility within that charisma too. But um and then just the legacy star power charisma is it's just unbelievable. Like they don't want to, he should have never turned heel this, at the beginning of this year or the middle of this year or whatever. Yeah, that was an ad move. But hey, you know, kudos to him and them for not going that supernatural way. He kind of put his foot down and they were like, all right, well, you're out. We'll figure this out later. So, you know, I guess he has a good little.
1: But then they really haven't done the supernatural stuff, right?
0: No, because no, they lost. Not really. They kind of changed directions and they finally right. found their way with Judgment Day. Uh, I, I like the future for Judgment Day. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be really good. They kind of found their footing. They found their who's doing what within that group. And um yeah, I think, you know, Edge has a little bit to do with that from the start of it. And the feud with him turned out being really, really good. So, you know, yeah, is it a tick? But whatever. We'll get into that later. But overall, charisma, this is easier. Easy, easy, easy Ultimate Warrior. But again, I, if Ultimate Warrior is an A+, Edge is probably like a B plus, if that makes sense. You know, a little tick, a little tick for not being able to fully do it himself. But there's definitely points where he got over because of his charisma. All right, Style Power and the Ultimate Warrior, what do you got?
1: Well, I think this one, I mean, it's kind of like a lot of what I'll be saying about him. It's the shooting star effect, but. Absolutely. From, I, I would say, SummerSlam 88 until '90, 90, SummerSlam 91, he's never lower from that point than the third baby face. And really, starting at WrestleMania. Th- well, right before WrestleMania 5, when Savage turns heel, he's the number two babyface in the company. And it's really not even close to who's next. And then late 89, like, he main events, the 89 Survivor Series. I mean, Hogan had a big match earlier, but the Warrior ends it. And I'm pretty sure outside of WrestleMania 4, that would be the first time there's a pay-per-view with... uh not Hogan in the main event. So that's quite the the right the shine that they're giving him. And then of course WrestleMania, he wins the world title against Hulk Hogan, like iconic match at the SkyDome. So he was the the man in the company. I mean, Andre had beat him at the main event, but this was the first time Hogan lost clean, you know in the era of Hulkamania. So they don't, they weren't just doing that for anyone. They thought the warrior was going to be their guy for the, for the nineties. And they pushed him as that for at least the first couple months. He's, you know, he's doing all the talk shows. He's on Regis and Kathy Lee. He has a music video with Phil Collins. You know, he's, they're putting him out there as their number one guy. And, you know, while Hogan was out filming, Uh, This time I think it was Suburban Commando, you know, the Warriors, the man and Hogan comes back and, you know, there's kind of differing opinions on what happened next. But, you know, Warrior starts to kind of take the backseat to Hogan, but, you know, he's still the number two face in the company just behind Hogan until SummerSlam when he leaves. And then when he comes back, though, he's comes back like almost in place of Hogan. You know, he comes out, helps Hogan at WrestleMania. You know, his shit was slated to jump into his feud with Sid, but Sid got let go right around then also. So he has his feud with Papa Shango, which, you know, not the most artistically successful thing, but it was the probably the number 2 tv feud at the time after Flair and Savage and Stall Summer 92 is weird because they had like all those feuds set up and then just kind of dropped midway when they decided to run the UK SummerSlam I think and they kind of
0: didn't go with any, any of that. their storylines right
1: yeah it's like all of a sudden one week oh the ultimate warriors fighting Randy Savage for the world title it's like what what how did that happen Is he still fighting with the Voodoo Witch Doctor? I guess not. If Ric Flair's
0: not on the card, what?
1: Yeah. yeah, Just an odd show altogether. But, I mean, did end up giving a great match. And, I mean, the Warriors, a big star, one of the top two matches at a show that had 82,000 in attendance. So that's a pretty big bump for him. And, like, this whole time, I would say... It's pretty much him, Savage and Brett as the top three faces. Probably with like Undertaker right below them as far as just card positioning and who's main eventing shows. And then again, he's you know, he's slated to be in the main event at Survivor series, and then he leaves again, <laughs> goes back to Parts Unknown. I think this is when he <laughs> uh founded uh, Warrior University for all your distrust that he needs. And then he comes back in 96, but again, you know, he's a big deal when he comes back. They show the promos the week before. They're, you know, saying what will he look like? And he comes back and he's the ultimate warrior. And he's do, does his thing, you know. Not mm-hmm. great matches with Gold Duster, Jerry Lawler, but they're focal points of the card still, and it's, the Warriors kind of at first, kind of see, he's like a, a sideshow. You know, he's not getting the 20 minute main events, but he's getting the undercard matches to kind of pop the crowd for that. And then it looks like he might be starting to move back up because they set up international incident with him, Shawn Michaels, and Ahmed against Camp Cornette, but then his uh, suspension, firing, quitting, suing. Asking for time off because his dad died, but Vince didn't think him and his dad were friends even or were close. It's for whatever reason, though, he leaves and is gone. And then I guess I should add, though, that he does come back 2014 as the headliner for the Hall of Fame class. So it still showed to his star power that, you know, you with Jake Roberts and, uh, Scott Hall that, you know, Warrior was the man to lead that crew and then as a promo on Raw and then drops out of a heart attack less than 24 hours later in one of the craziest, like, Insane. returns to, to deaths ever. And, you know, that was a big story on the news. I remember hearing it on CNN and stuff. It's thinking, like, oh, the guy I saw two nights ago at... The Superdome just dropped out of a heart attack. It was pretty wild. Yeah, that's very, very sad to you. I remember, I remember
0: reading it where I, I remember where I was at work reading it. What happened? So it's kind of super interesting. All right, Edge and Star Power. First off, I believe Warrior should win this. He's from a bigger era. Um, yeah, the Attitude Era is the same size as the Golden Era, sure. But Edge is, you know, at the very early stage of his career here. Um, his rise is in the ruthless aggressive era where it's not as big as the 80s and then the uh his kind of main event scene is what end of the ruthless aggressive beginning of the pg so again not the best time in company history but he is a a very popular tag team within the attitude era and even a very household name for the biggest time you know, 2000s the most popular year in company's history, almost if not arguably almost, you know, one of, and he is you know a top tier tag team and a memorable memorable tag team. He's a household name. Edge isn't a name to sneeze at. He's definitely a household name for sure. Um, just not on the magnitude of Ultimate Warrior. Um, star power is, you know, asking someone on the streets, have yeah. you heard of Edge? Uh, maybe seven out of ten people, eh, five out of ten people will say yes. Hey, have you heard of Ultimate Warrior? Yes, eight, seven, eight out of ten people will probably say that. You know, have you ever heard of Stone Cold? Yes, ten out of ten. Have you ever heard of John Cena? Yes, ten out of ten. Hulk Hogan? Yes, The Rock? Yes, ten out of tens. So by saying that, I believe the Ultimate Warrior is like an eight, and Edge is probably like a five or six.
1: Right. Yeah. Maybe with one or two people confusing him for the Edge. Oh, from, from Maria did on rather one time
0: you two suck so let's take a category <laughs> away from edge you know i'm going to mark that down negative for you two but um yeah edge is a star uh, i'm not going to go over you know he made jo- i don't want to say he made john cena but he was a very crucial guy on making john cena the star he is today so um and it translated through, you know, like I said, the Attitude Era popular tag team, rising the loose, of aggression, and then the, even the star the reactions he gets today, and then all time legacy pop at the 2020 Royal Rumble. So you can't take away his star power. I'm just going to give a check to the Ultimate Warrior because Ultimate Warrior has all time star power.
1: Yeah.
0: Where, where Edge's star power is, you know, within just within kind of in wrestling. Even though he just got a leading role for Disney, it, it wasn't, it? But, but still. Um, he would need ways to go to make it up to the ultimate warrior star power, but um yeah, check mark for the warrior here, but you know, like I said, edge is like a tier below, maybe a tier a half a t- a tier and a half below, but you know he's definitely a big megastar for sure,
1: all right, flexibility in the ultimate warrior <laughs> this should be brief, yeah that not, not a lot to say here, so he was a singles wrestler, um he was a power wrestler, he was a face <laughs> he has a couple of they did do. He is really good at, in the Survivor Series format, I do think that he should be noted for that, because it's it's his specialty, though. It's yeah, hot tag guy. First, quick burst, come in, you know, usually save himself till the end, come in and face off two guys, mow them down in quick fashion, and same with the Rumble. He's only in one Rumble, or actually two, but 88 is still kind of before he became the ultimate warrior, mm-hmm. so... But 90, it's a great performance. He comes in. It's kind of, again, that's his specialty, though. Just have him come in, throw guys out, you know, run around the ring and bump into Hulk Hogan. But yeah, so flexibility is not the Warrior Strong suit for sure. He's a face, Was always wrestled as a face. I mean, he never had to wrestle heel or even the face-face matches. I think he kind of wrestles more of a face. Side than Hogan and Savage in those two big matches.
0: Yeah. So is is that all you got for flexibility for our guy?
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, he wasn't he wasn't the most flexible, but I think he makes up for it in other
0: spots. Now, now do you think it was all the steroids and all the um the power lifting that made him not so flexible?
1: <laughs> I think that you know that those things helped create the warrior. Mindset, and I think that's where the inflexibility comes in. Is you know through the, the teachings of the Warrior University and the Warrior Way. And all right, my 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 uh, weight
0: my weightlifting joke went over your head. But anyways, um, <laughs> if you you know if you lift weights, it com- combusts your muscles and it doesn't really, it doesn't they compact them and they don't really get stretched out. All right, whatever, you don't get it. All right. <laughs> You're supposed to stretch when you lift weights too. Anyway, so um flexibility and edge i would give first of all i think edges probably should win this category just yeah. um all-time tag team great heel run strong baby face run up in you know from his career as i mentioned earlier so he had the rated r superstar run he had the 0102 baby face run great tag team baby face great tag team heels um pretty good Main event, um, baby face champ, not electric, but pretty good solid for like a, a B show SmackDown. Um, and then really great in this legacy role. So he always hits fastballs. He struggles with the curveballs in these roles, if you kind of get what I mean. So um, very consistent, sprays the field. I would say he's probably like a a 300 hitter, if that makes sense from baseball. 300 gets you in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Shitload of doubles, shitload of singles, shitload of home runs, triples, stolen bases, everything. Doesn't excel at anything. Pretty good at everything. So uh, I would say he's very flexible um, for sure, and he's way more flexible than the Ultimate Warrior. All right, peak moments. First of all, so you agree, longevity and flexibility with Edge, charisma, and star power with the Ultimate Warrior so far.
1: Yeah, I think they're – yeah, it's kind of proven like what we thought coming in that some of the shorter ones that you could capitalize a warrior would get, but Edge is going to accumulate more. Yeah. All right, so peak moments. What do you got for the Ultimate Warrior peak moments? This should be a good one. Yeah, so peak moment number one would have to be uh, at SummerSlam 88 definitely the most memorable part of the the show comes out beat you know answers the honky-tonk man's challenge comes out destroys him in 30 seconds wins the belt that no one could beat this loser the honky-tonk man for for 16 months and he just comes out and does it right away and from there it's kind of like this the ship of the warrior is taking off there you know Survivor Series 88, he's the captain, wins for his team. Uh, Rumble 89, he starts his feud with Rick Rude, where they have the pose down. And then the great match at WrestleMania five where Rude actually beats him, thanks to Bobby the Brain. And then we go from there to uh, SummerSlam 89, where he regains the title from uh, Rude in a great match. I think... One of the better uh, SummerSlam matches, actually. And it goes, so he goes from there. He continues his feud with the Heenan family, but now kind of transitions to Andre. He's getting, you know, it was mostly house shows, so it wasn't like big national TV, but beating the Warrior in 30 seconds. He does eliminate him at uh, Survivor Series 89 right away. And then ends up being the sole survivor in that, eliminating Bobby Heenan last, and then getting to end the show, you know, with the last laugh on Heenan, which was a big jump up for him to show that they had faith in him to close the show. And then Rumble ninety, he has, you know, he is the he's the face that comes out first and clears the ring, and then. Shortly after he's out there, Hogan comes out and they eliminate everyone and then they have to stare down the crisscross, the double clothesline to set up WrestleMania six. And everyone in that arena was going absolutely crazy because these two guys have like never even interacted. Really, it seemed like I know after this, they teamed up once, but this was very they were in two different universes, basically. And this is the first time they collided. And that is always like a great image on you know when they're doing the history of the Royal Rumble and then we'll get to WrestleMania, but that whole feud started and was going back and forth. Title versus title for the Ultimate Challenge at WrestleMania 6. And you know, the opening of the video is says it all. It's like these two gods were fighting and they were unbeatable. No one could beat them. Who The only one who could beat either one of them has to be one of them. Like, there's no way Randy Savage is going to beat the Warrior Hogan. It's got to be Warrior Hogan beating the other guy. So they have the epic match, you know, I don't know, star rating-wise, kind of go between four and a half or five. But it's an all-time classic, you know, regardless of what you rank it, you just know that that moment was huge and from there he's the champ he's the number one guy in the company as earthquake uh squashes hogan so the warriors left alone to be the number one face he main events summer slam with rick root in a cage and then um after that, it goes on. he goes on to Survivor Series 90, has the great team with the Road Warriors and Kerry Von Erich, and they take on the perfect team. He wins that, and he goes to the ultimate match of survival, which him and Hogan win at, so it looks like they are, you know, this is their moment where they're a nice team and happy together. And then from there, he has the title match at WrestleMania uh the uh, sorry the Royal Rumble 91 where he loses it to Slaughter even though he's got his sweet um American flag tights and leather jacket and then from there he goes to what I will still claim as my favorite match of all time the retirement match at WrestleMania 7
0: so against the,
1: the Macho King and just an amazing amazing match you know I think the legendary status is helped partly by the aftermath with Savage and Elizabeth, but the match itself is great also. And Warrior does more than his share. You know, he's not getting carried. He does his part for sure. And then he kind of goes into a feud with The Undertaker, and they actually even hinted at it like a week before, saying The Undertaker was measuring the warrior to uh bury his career. So then they start the feud right after some, uh, WrestleMania where Warrior gets locked in the casket. And then it never really gets blown off proper. They have a couple house show matches, but then he teams with Hogan at SummerSlam ninety and or ninety one. And I'm so I still don't get why they didn't just do I know you didn't want Undertaker to lose, but he could have been bought to the back or something. If they just had Slaughter and Undertaker versus Hogan and Warrior, or you know, Slaughter Mustafa and Undertaker versus Hogan and Warrior, it would have I think looked a lot better than what they got. But anyways, Warrior leaves then, comes back at ninety-two and makes like the first ever huge out of nowhere, surprise return at WrestleMania. Like any other time someone came back at WrestleMania, it was usually announced, but this was like, no one. I mean, I was six. I wasn't on the internet, but (laughs) I didn't know that there were no hints to it on the TV show or anything. So it was Herb Who probably know. Yeah, he probably did, but he thought it would be uh, in the Northern Ontario wrestling association or whatever. Uh so he comes back though and like I said, Hogan's gone, so he's flipped right into the number two phase behind Savage, you know, with Brett and with Brett right behind at three, I would say, going into the summer of ninety two. And then, you know, main events the huge uh SummerSlam maybe not main events, but is one of the featured matches at SummerSlam ninety two and then once again, goes to back to parts unknown, his Fortress of Solitude. And then comes back in 96, though, and again, they make him a big deal. You know, he's getting the promos before WrestleMania. Squashes Triple H and then has two mid-card feuds with Goldust and then with Jerry Lawler, which aren't great. But like I said, it was just to kind of get him on the card. And have him do matches where you know he's going to win, but people want to see it anyways. And then, yeah, then he goes away until, again, he comes back at WrestleMania 30 for his Hall of Fame induction and the speech the next night on Raw. So quite a bit for not the longest of careers. Yeah, for five years or whatever you said.
0: All right. So, so peak moments with Edge. Uh, really, just the Brood, uh, the Hardys, the Ministry, um, yeah. the the Hardy, inv- or the Terry, the Tit, the Terry, yeah. Invitational Tables Match was it? It's what was
1: the- Ted, got it, bro. It has attitude.
0: <laughs> but uh, that you know that latter match was you know, a very important under the radar ladder match for you know the tag team division before that time. Um which led to the two TLC the three TLC matches. Um the first one just be was it
1: the first one a TLC? What was the first
0: one? Just tables, was it or whatever? And the
1: then first one was WrestleMania it was just a I mean just ladder match. Just ladder match, right? Right. And I mean tables and chairs got involved. Yeah. SummerSlam was the first TLC
0: yeah so i want to be appropriate by wording but you know he was pivotal in all of those um and then uh the smackdown six uh actually i really like that return video at wrestlemania 20 that was a pretty big spot for him he was supposed to be something and he wasn't right away but and eventually he would go on to win money in the bank wrestlemania 21 in the first ever Money in the Bank, the cash-in unbelievable jump-up moment. Huge. Um, kind of out of nowhere, too. Like a C-pay-per-view. Dead spot right before the uh, right before the Royal Rumble. It was New Year's Revolution. They really just threw him out there in Albany, New York, out of all places. And he just... An uh, unbelievable pop. Um, un- the live sex celebration the next night uh, led to the Foley match at WrestleMania 20. The scene of feud and then the the awesome Toronto TLC match with Cena um so those are a lot of memorable stuff the 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 John Cena home invasion you know a lot of memorable stuff in 2006 the Ric Flair TLC match for the IC belt at the beginning of the year um just in you know just to name a few we'll get we'll get to his 06 and storylines but um yeah uh just great it's great stuff there and then Really, nothing really sticks out for peak moments off the top of my head. For the until he retires, you know, the more storyline based, more character work there, um, but nothing really peak moment wise until he returned at the Rumble. Unbelievable peak moment there, all time moment. Can't take that away from the backlash match, the promos leading in, uh, winning the Rumble again the next year. Main eventing WrestleMania again. Um, main eventing the first live event show, um, and then the Rollins Hell in the Cell peak moment. Uh, kind of what where we're we at. A lot he was very storyline based, very match based, and peak moments. I would just say um, the peak moments being cashing in Money in the Bank, the TLC mo- like the Jeff Hardy uh spear um, you you know that's that's definitely a peak moment for him um a lot you know just i i can't make a case to beat the warrior but i can make like a b case where it really wasn't that bad like he, he it definitely helps his career but the warrior should win this just based on the 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 magnitude of the stuff he got in in short in his short run is due to his peak moments you know what i mean so it's it's, it's warrior but i think edge you know i don't think it's like a small check again towards edge i think it kind of helps edge against a lot of guys
1: yeah i think most guys that would his peak would win Would hit like yeah money in the bank the 2020 rumble return i mean those are huge huge moments yeah. so he deserves his praise, but, I mean, the Warrior was – because Edge was – he was one of the main guys. He was never anointed the the guy. Yeah, he's the, he's the bridesmaid all the way. Brian.
0: But he's a very, very good bridesmaid. Yes,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's kind of funny, too, where Warrior was never really the guy besides that run he got. You know what I mean? So he didn't really live up to it, it kind of like Edge in a way, but just the, the magnitude of Warrior, you know? So – Anyways, we'll get into that later for maybe tiebreaker stuff. But anyways, storylines.
1: What do you get for the Ultimate Warrior in storylines? All right. So, yeah, he came in. He was just kind of this guy destroying people. The first feud he gets into is with Hercules. Something about pulling apart a chain. They have a not great match at WrestleMania, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it is what it is. It's his first pay-per-view match. So we'll give him a slide there. And then from there, he kind of morphs it into a feud with Bobby Heenan. He has a series of weasel matches at house shows where, you know, he puts out Heenan and then puts him in the weasel suit and Heenan looks around all foolishly. And from there, I'm guessing he, he feuds a little bit with Honky Tonk Man after he beats him for the title. But those are kind of just rematches. It's not like it's a real deep. Blood feud or anything. And then it kind of, as he's icy IC champ, he starts a feud with Rick Rude. And that goes from Rumble '89 all the way through to SummerSlam '89, where, you know, he loses the belt, wins it, the IC belt, wins it back. And then from there, he goes into the feud. He continues the feud with the Heenan family this time through Andre. And then Heenan himself. And then they then That kind of just ends towards the end of 89, you know, with Survivor Series, I guess, was the final big blow. And then from there, he's just kind of floating for a little bit. But at the Royal Rumble, he gets in contact with Hulk Hogan, and that builds that storyline for the ultimate challenge where the warrior and Hogan must fight to see who is the true God and he wins. And after that, he is the defending champ. And I think he's one of the guys where it showed, maybe it's better to be the chase than the the champ because I think it loses something with him just being the world champ. It's like, who else who's going to beat this guy now? Like he beat Hulk Hogan. Does Rick rude the guy he, who we've seen beat before, have any chance. So I think right away they should have gone with Earthquake versus Warrior. I mean, you were saving Warrior for Hogan, but this was a new guy at least who could be a challenger. But that doesn't really work out, so he kind of is feuding with with Perfect, kind of feuding with Demolition through the Legion of Doom. That, I know, was kind of a match around the card at the time. And then from there, all of a sudden, Sergeant Slaughter is made number one contender because he has Iraqi boots now. And the Warrior loses the title at... The Warrior becomes very patriotic for a few weeks and then loses the title at Royal Rumble 91. And then he loses because... He wouldn't give a match. He wouldn't promise a match to Randy Savage. So Randy Savage makes the greatest run in ever with the huge light big light stand, and then later with a the, the scepter shot that is just amazing, and that puts the Warrior into a feud with him, a little insta feud, and they decide that the WWF isn't big enough for the both of them. There has to be a retirement match at WrestleMania. Like I said, they have one of the all-time classic matches. And, you know, they built it up that one of these guys was not going to wrestle ever again. and They say that storyline in the match, you know, the five elbow drops, the two gorilla press slams that don't finish it. It's crazy. And from there, Warrior gets into a storyline with The Undertaker where he's feuding with him, gets buried by him. And then... Or gets locked in the casket by him. So they have their feud. And they have house show matches, but it doesn't really peak. And then at Survivor, or SummerSlam 91, he is teaming with Hogan again. This time against Slaughter, Adnan, and Mustafa. And ends by chasing Adnan and Mustafa to the back with the chair. And... In K K5 in Kfabe, just ran out of the WWF that night and didn't come back until six months later at WrestleMania 8, where he runs out to help Hulk Hogan against Sid and Papa Shango. From there, he starts a quick two week feud with Sid, but then Sid is fired. So once the tapings with him run out, that feud is dropped and Papa Shango starts cursing the the ultimate warrior and supposedly this is a storyline that the ultimate warrior had a lot of creative hands in, which does not surprise me as he is possessed and bewitched by Papa Shango. And again, this one doesn't really end anywhere. It just kind of fades away. And then he goes into the Randy Savage feud, which featured Ric Flair, and Mr. Perfect both saying that Mr. Perfect was being paid off by either Warrior or Savage, and then they're involved in the match at SummerSlam. And Warrior like befriends Savage, and they're about to team up and go against uh, Flair and Razor Ramon, but then the Warrior leaves again. And that storyline leading to Mr. Perfect's return, though, which is kind of odd. And then going to 96, he comes back. Just the storyline was the Ultimate Warrior is coming back. And comes back and defeats Triple H. And then gets into a feud with Goldust over the IC title. But Goldust is injured, so they just have a long 10-minute promo in the ring. And then a bad match with uh, Mantar the Butler. And from there... At King of the Ring 96, he starts a feud with Jerry Lawler. I think it's over who's the better comic book artist, maybe? Something like that. And he beats the King pretty easily and then starts to get involved with Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson against King Cornette. But again, makes an abrupt leaving of the company. And that's where we wrapped it up. Edge and... Storylines. I'm just gonna name
0: wrestlers he feuded with. You guys know it all. Hardys, Dudleys, Hardys and Dudleys, Angle, SmackDown Six, Injury, Return vs. Orton, HBK, Matt Hardy, Ric Flair, Cena, Foley, Cena again, DX with Rated RKO. Then he kind of did a lot of mid-card stuff, and then he kind of would find himself at the late 27 with My Familia, which is the Batista-Undertaker stuff, but m- mainly with Vicky. Um, he would kind of go on to be the head of SmackDown for the most part, uh, but he kind of always felt like he was feuding with either Undertaker or Batista. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of just like stretching, stretching, stretching. Horrible match with Kozlov and Cena. Oh. Kozlov and I was live for that one. Kozlov oh, right. and Triple H. Yeah. That's where he returned. Um pretty good for Jeff Hardy. He was in the mix with Jeff Hardy and that was good with Triple H. 09, he found himself with Cena and Batista again. Um and then he would get kind of link up with Jericho and got hurt after linking up with jericho and getting hurt he would return face jericho win the rumble face jericho at wrestlemania and then he would kind of find like he was then he became buddies again with jericho the nexus stuff um the terrible kane stuff uh closing his career with like ziggler was really good del rio was fine just del rio stinks there was something definitely. I, like Batman, actually. I, I was a big fan of that. No, it was good. Like this is like this is Edge as a baby face. He's solidified. Right, yeah. he, you know, this is where he was kind of catching his groove as a baby face. In my opinion, like he was a solidified star. It felt like when he was a star, he he didn't have insecurities. He, he was just he finally made it. They can just start relying on him. And, it, you know, it was what it was. Um but then, yeah, it like
1: he was the respected veteran who you didn't want to boo anymore. So
0: Exactly, exactly. And that's kind of where we find him now, once he you know, he, he hurt his neck. Hall of Fame first ballad Hall of Famer too, you know, you gotta give him that too, just like the <laughs> warrior. Um first ballad, Hall of Famer and a headliner. So you know, kudos to him. Unbelievable moment for the return, but that's not a storyline. I mean that you know, butch, but that led to Orton. I like how they he returned and him and Orton had that little buddy buddy thing going on at first um that really really worked and then, you know the turn the wrestlemania match is what it is but they made up for it. backlash hurt again um return wins the rumble blows off the Orton stuff then would be a part of the tribal chief stuff for pretty much half of a year with brian we went over that we'll get into that a little bit later for match resume i love the seth rollins stuff I think it's all time. Well, for this era, anyways. Um, and then the current stuff we have now. Fun Miz Filler. Um, and then the stuff we have now with AJ Styles. And then leading to My Familia. The Ray stuff is really good. He was really good with Ray um, as kind of like the Dominic in Rave. He was the middle in the, the kind of the conduit to separate them in the long run, I think. So good storytelling there. He did really good. Uh SummerSlam return was pretty cool too. But um he found a groove and then the Finn Balor stuff too. Um they're teasing Rhea stuff, so obviously we're gonna get tag team mixed tag teams again. I like the tag I like when he tags teams with Beth. I think Beth stinks, <laughs> not gonna lie, but uh she has decent charisma within her relationship with Edge. So kudos to Edge. So that's what we have for Storylines at Edge. Edge has the volumes, um Warrior has the money if that makes sense to you yeah i don't know i don't i don't know where the kind of the chips lay on this i don't want to go equal sign i may go i may lean warrior just because the magnitude of it all but you know edge was very crucial to orton he was very crucial to um matt hardy he was very crucial to john cena you know see coming back and getting a fully return match is huge um, the DX stuff is whatever, but it you know it's there. The Orton stuff late, the Rollins stuff late, the Roman Reigns stuff. He was a you know he added star power to the Tribal Chief. Um, the Hardys and Dudley stuff is all times top tier tag team stuff. The Kurt Angle stuff is fantastic. Um, the SmackDown Six stuff is all time tag team stuff again.
1: But the Warrior is money. Where do you lay? Yeah, I think just the strength of uh, WrestleMania Six and WrestleMania Seven storylines, I think, are just so so huge that Edge can't touch that height. Yeah. But Edge hits a like do edge
0: okay, so Warrior has two grand slams. Do edge's triples and doubles add up in any way? I say no, but I think it's not as big as a check mark as you would seem like edge does again kind of warrior wins this. I'm not saying that, but edge kind of <sighs> edge deserves credit too, if that makes, that makes sense, sense. Against, him, against the other
1: guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I just, like I'm saying, I has a strong case, just not just, against the warrior here, unfortunately <laughs> for him.
0: And again, this is why he is bottom teens, early twenties for a lot of people, you know? Yep. All right, so we are sitting at four two Warrior right now. What do we got for promos? Can we make a straight? You know, can we make a make a uh, comeback here for the uh, Rated R Superstar? What do you got for promos? This is an
1: interesting one, you know. Yeah, so Ultimate Warrior was not going to give you the the twenty minute promo to start SmackDown, you know, mainly because he was never on SmackDown. But you know, he was never going to give you this (laughs) show setting interview. He was going to give you his thirty second clip of just shouting nonsense but you know if it was you know the ultimate warrior is coming to the rosemont horizon to face rick rude warrior come in here what do you have to say about it he'll yell for 30 seconds and you won't know what he really said but you want to see him kick rick rude's ass so (laughs) his promos were effective at the very least i will say i won't you know i'm not going to say he's a 10 out of 10 on promos but they were effective in their own way
0: um, i i'm gonna lean edge here but the warriors are kind of more memorable in a way um, good or bad um hard to say warrior is a great promo but like you said he's an effective promo that you are drawn into a hundred percent so even if you think he's a terrible promo you're still probably drawn to him in a way so that's that's an interesting you know curveball there uh edge is a you know i would say he's a really good promo to a very good, to a great promo. Um, even he's like
1: totally reeking of awesome this show. You yeah, know, I, don't I say that was my. Oh, well, I was just talking about like that phase, you know, the with the photographs and stuff. I would say yeah. that was. Yeah, you
0: know, that's, his that's where we kind of got over as a tag team. <laughs>
1: right. And then they go on to
0: have a network show with it, pretty much too. Twenty years later, it's kind of a kudos to him in a way too there with that. And then really I don't want to go through the career. You got the edge you got the Cena stuff with the dad, you got the Cena stuff in general. Promos helped make that feud there. Um the, come on, the few the the Matt Hardy promos, you know what I mean? Like the Matt Hardy emotion, that stuff was really cool too. And then the Foley stuff. You know, Edge really went to a new gear there. Foley brought out the dickhead, ultimate opportunist, rated our superstar guy. You know, within the promos and, and they matched it in the ring, but that the ring intensity was due to the promos. And it was it was kind of a quick few to really, you know, yeah, February, March WrestleMania and it real, you know what I mean? So they kind of danced around it, too, in a way. And then I forget to do the like I haven't brought this up yet, but them teaming post WrestleMania for the oh, yeah. stand. W. I was going to get to that with match qualities, but those two together with the promos there, that's an underrated you know, forgotten about thing that should be on edges resume too. Of course it's on Foley's resume too, but you know, edge was definitely there too. They Jesus Christ, Terry Funk, fucking, and Tommy Dreamer. You know, what I mean, they brought those dust. Oh, you know, Terry Funk's an all-time guy, but they dusted those two off.
1: Yeah, sixty-two though, or whatever he was. You yeah, never, they, they dusted those
0: two off and delivered in that setting is really something to, to you know shake a stick at. But and then I just want to hammer home how good of a promo he is since returning. He was fantastic in the empty arena pandemic era, where he would just sit down and have those talk to you promos and you know the pandemic era was full of zoning out watching where you would you chime in but like there's no emotion it's just like all right can i really watch alberto uh, andrade and ray mysterio have another match on raw and it's just like ugh. but then edge would come on and he would just suck you in for fucking 10 minutes and you'd be like oh shit it's an empty arena i just watched this fucking guy You know, speak to me in a fucking chair with a light on him in an empty arena, in a ring, in an empty ring with no one around. It was probably shot at like two in the morning for all I know. And, you know, he's just emoting and just changing directions and just bringing you on a journey through his words you know what i mean so that's a testament to just how good of a promo he is and then look at him all these acting stuff he's getting too where he gets knocked for being a terrible actor in ring emoting or whatever but then he lands all these films and you know gets all these now he's in like this leading role for this like marvel disney thing and i'm naive to really describe it because i really don't know but for him to land a big part like that you know, it's due to his acting chops, and that's kind of due to his promos. I think Edge wins this one in a check checkmark. Uh, yeah, War- uh, Warrior has had his moments, but this is Edge, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Have you seen uh, Money Plane? No, what's that? Oh, that's an Edge movie from, I think it was like 2020. It's him. He is a like, former bank thief, and he's trying to go clean, but he has to take one last job. Ordered by Kelsey Grammer. Oh,
0: I think... I might have... No. It's this like, is, is this the Hawaiian shirt one?
1: Yeah, it is, like, a hilariously bad movie. I I would highly recommend it. I'm not sure if it's on any streaming services or not, but... Kelsey Grammer, huh? That's... A, that's yeah, great. Kelsey Grammer being, like, big bad mob boss. That's interesting.
0: But, uh, yeah, I go Edge here. All right, character yeah. work in The Ultimate Warrior.
1: This should be another good one, too. What do you got? Yeah, so this is, again, just kind of his character is just this crazed maniac from parts unknown who never really says why, but is here to just destroy everything and take his spaceship back to parts unknown. I know he's said a few times early, but then it just becomes be the best wrestler. And, you know, he doesn't have a lot of growth as a character. He's kind of stays the same thing. He becomes a little more human, I think, as it goes along, just by context of appearing more and more and talking. And then in 92, he kind of grows some more with forming a partnership with Randy Savage, although it doesn't last long. And then in 96, again, he kind of, he kind of early on doesn't change the character, but has a little more edge. I remember him saying... He's gonna kick the king or kick Goldust's ass. You know, so a little more PG thirteen warrior, but largely the same character really, and again makes friends with Shawn Michaels and Anna Johnson before bailing yet again. Always the quick exit for the the warrior.
0: <laughs> Alright, so character work. Um like I said, you you got the the buddy, the, the brood guy, you got the vampire edge, and he was really cool with that. But at first, you had that kind of that lone wolf guy with an edge on his shoulder, no pun intended. Um, Oh, I thought that was pretty cool as like a as an introduction loner. But then you would find out he has a brother, Christian. Uh, he would team with Christian, go on to be one of the most charismatic team past being a part of the brood, one of the most char- charismatic tag teams of all time. Um, he would find his role in Oh two, where I would say, like I said, that happy go lucky baby face, but it wasn't real like, yeah, a little corny in spots, but it really wasn't needed to be like that mega star. He could be that innocent baby face where he would, you know, just kind of be on TV and just keep ticking up the card and grow, grow, grow as a character or whatever. But then he would return with a chip on his shoulder and it wouldn't connect, but he would get there. Right. So but what really connected him was, you know, the the Matt Hardy and Lita thing. And then finally, just getting teaming up with Lita and just really being that rated R superstar, being being, then becoming the ultimate opportunist and then within that being the ultimate opportunist, he would take advantage of Vicky Guerrero. He would be that con artist husband where he would just use his power. Um, on the you know the widow or whatever, not using her for her money, but using her for her power or whatever, and um, cunning and conniving heel. Uh, and then it, he would have pockets where he was that legacy baby babyface, which he really found a groove into. We were just about with uh, Del, Del Rio later in his career before he got hurt again. And then the return megastar of Edge. Um, uh, I think this is probably his strongest role one of his strong, top tier strongest rolled with you know or 206 rated r superstar or tag team um partner where christian where is really his two top three top tier um characters um so oh there's some flexibility within those characters and then even like the ultimate opportunist in the plucky young baby face um and even even that shithead heel he was, he performed it well. We just didn't want it, so it never really fully clicked. So I think he's always been a very strong character. Um, I think that that's what kind of helped him with his longevity and helped with his connection with the fan is his character work. And I don't know, this is a close one. Warrior's character is very strong, obviously, is where he is this, you know, um, super charismatic creature but it's one laned so i know flexibility is a different category but i don't know if the like the character work being not so flexible but the but the character work within the warrior being so impactful like mega star shiny bright light works so i don't know what do you think on this
1: yeah i think like i could see either way because you could say well edge has You know, like you're saying, all these different characters that he was able to play, the Warriors played one, but the Warrior played the one that he had so well. It was, you know, you can't picture the Ultimate Warrior being anyone else, but, you know, you could see someone else doing a Ultimate Opportunist character, you know, it's no one could be the Ultimate Warrior, though.
0: Yeah, it's like the Ultimate Warrior, is only made to be a lead actor right, and right then,
1: yeah
0: he, and then you have he, edge that can be up and down director. up and down any cast of a movie and really just fit in anywhere so it's kind of like whatever you value I'm willing just to do a small check mark for warrior like the smallest check mark of all the check marks here for the warrior here but I don't know if you wonder if someone wanted to make a case for edge I don't think they're wrong just because of the depth of all the characters and I gave you three characters that were super impactful and drew money for edge. So I don't know what, like, is it just like the mega, mega, mega warrior character, but like, it's like with the warrior, if the, say the warrior sticks in 96, like what is the ultimate warrior in the WWF in the attitude era? Like, that's what I want to know,
1: right? That's what I, yeah, I would wonder that all. I've wondered that before also. I don't think, I think it's just, it's, is it there's, a that he always, there's a reason that his returns became less and less i think like even if so how
0: deep of a character is it then if it only connects in the cartoonish you know 1990 1991 1992 ca- cartoonish golden era like like where that's like a little more kayfabe is strong and you know the fans are a little more jaded and You know, we're talking about rocket ships and galaxy and yet like uh, color and face paint and splash. But in the attitude, it's black and white, really. Like, does he does he is he WCW warrior where it's just like doesn't connect? I don't I don't
1: I don't think he'd be able to get that far with WWF, I think. Yeah. So like it's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know. So if he's not able to
0: adapt like like here like warrior in the PG era say we plop him in nineteen in 2010 he's a home run right like he's John Cena on steroids in a way right so oh, I could Yeah right so I see him working there but like his that's why I was like that's why I want to talk about the flexibility of edge does it weigh more than the magnitude of ultimate warrior when Ultimate Warrior was kind of pigeonholed in his, I don't want to say pigeonholed because he was very impactful, but like w- would he have not worked in other eras? So I don't, I don't know. That's like the only case I would make of the flexibility of Edge to now be on his, you know, third def- different decade. You know, you got the late nineties, the early two thousand, and then we are here where Edge constantly worked for the most part as a character. I never thought Edge didn't work as a character. There was it was always peaks but the peaks were at like eight and nine and the valleys were at like six and seven so he always worked but would like did he not work to the like i don't know if like the warrior i don't know it's hard to explain but you get what i'm the sentiment i'm trying to say here
1: right i would also say like you were saying with the peaks and valleys of ed like the warrior always the character even in 96 when he was a little different the character was always it, so, in your face, so intense that it kind of it was such an overwhelming force,
0: yes, I' know all right well my my gut in my initial reaction was small check, check mark for the warrior. Do you want to go with that, or what?
1: yeah, I think the warrior is just so like I was saying intent- you know such a huge character on any show he was on, whereas edge and you know it's no fault to edge that. You know, that was the role he was told to play in, you know, ninety, ninety eight, 98, 99, 2000. You know, he's a big featured guy in 2000, but he's not. Yeah, he's also a guy. puppy, you know? Right. Yeah.
0: So I don't know. I think that it, it, it's whatever you value here. I think we should value the more impactfulness and the character work for edges. I mean, for the warrior, it's just so strong to his case. And this is a strong case. Character work is adding depth to the case for Edge, but just the magnitude of the Warrior's character should outweigh Edge's variety of characters and, like, longevity of characters. So I do agree that small checkmark Ultimate Warrior. All right, work rate. How is the Ultimate Warrior in ring, and what is he shoulder-blocking great at? All
1: right, well, I do think that he his work rate is a bit underrated. Yes, I, I agree. A lot of it is thanks to you know the uh, the self destruction of the Ultimate Warrior DVD and just the uh, the dirt sheets, you know, view of him throughout the 80s and stuff. You know, always saying how oh, the anabolic warrior and that DVD sent, you know, everyone talking about how horrible a worker he was. But I mean, you look at his matches, which we'll do coming up, and I'll just say like. There's none of those matches is he really carried in. You know, he's hanging in all of them. It's not, you know, like 1988 Lex Luger where Ric Flair is doing a lot of the match for him. It's The Warriors going in there with guys just as, you know, maybe a little more skilled than him. But he's able to hang with them. You know, he, he gives just as good as Hulk Hogan in that match. He has the match with Randy Savage where they're both going all out. Now he's not the guy who is going to give you a, you know, a three star match on Saturday night's main event. He is strictly a pay per view big match performer. So that kind of hurts his case with work rate. And you know, in the ring, he only really had the one style. He could go a little longer and work, you know, but he still wouldn't be the face in peril that often. Like I'm trying to think of. SummerSlam '89. I know there's a heat segment, but most of the time it's the Warrior in control, even if he's a face against the heel. But, you know, he, he had one style of the power, the fast power maneuvers, but he did that well. I will say that. But, yeah, this one, this one's not looking like a, a W for the Warrior. So I'll concede to you and let you tell us about the Rated R Superstars work rate. Yeah, like you said, it's not bad for
0: Warrior. It's just kind of like his character where it's like pigeonholy and it's a main event um, style. And it would only work in the main event in squash mashes for the Warrior. So it's not like the Warrior is getting thrown into New Japan, you know, 2018 and coming out alive. You know what I mean? Like that would be interesting and I'm sure they could make it work. But I I don't think it would be much uh, flexibility within that. So anyways, um, Edge, great tag worker um really good worker uh gets a little triple h vibes with his match layouts in a a lot of aspects uh there's a lot of fat on it that they could trim out but i don't think it's like just like triple h it's just boring fat it's um it's never meaningless fat you know it's it's a lot you can chew on it and you're going to be chewing on it for a while but you usually could spit it out and it's really not great for the digestive system but it's it's like he's working a limb or, you know, he there's always meaning to the stretch-outness of the flaw of his match layouts, in a way. So, um, especially when, like, I can be a, te- a testament to that is the Rollins stuff. Like, yeah, he some of the Rollins stuff was a little... Actually, it wasn't really long, but, like, the lay, some of the stuff was... Especially the SummerSlam match, where it was such a good match, and they told such a great story, but it takes a while to get there, right? And Edge's stuff... A little boring, but it's always, per, you know, there's always a purpose to it. But uh, I don't know. He's he's great on top. He's great from very sympathetic, especially later on in his career here, uh, working underneath. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say he is a he's a well versed wrestler. I want to say he's a fantastic striker. He's not a fantastic, you know, grappler. Um, he's just a really good storyteller if that makes any weird... Fuck you, Marriott, with the interception. Um, uh, if that makes any sense to you. So, overall, I think he's a very good wrestler. He has more depth than Edge. Edge has more depth than the Warrior, so I think this sh- we should be able to go with Edge here. All right, so let's make that resume for the Warrior. What you got for his match resume?
1: All right, so a lot of these I hit in peak moments, but we'll just go quick over them again. Biggest early match was his squash over... Honky Tonk man, I know I think Aaron George has this at five stars. I don't know if I really go that high, but you know, it does deliver in exactly what it's supposed to, so you gotta take that into account. Then next big match would be WrestleMania five against Rick Rude. And then they have an even better match at WrestleMania or at SummerSlam 89 that year in a rematch where where wins back the intercontinental title. And then I really like the '89 Survivor Series main event, the Warriors versus the Heenan family, featuring, you know, Bobby Heenan getting in, getting to main event a pay per view as a wrestler, which is always fun. Um, then the Rumble match '90, like I said, he's got a nice showing in it, and then he has the showdown with Hogan, which of course leads to the Ultimate Challenge, WrestleMania six. I have that at four and a half. I could see going to five. I just there's just something about it. The last time I watched it, it was like longer than I thought it was going to be. There's a Hogan chinlock that kind of made it dragged it a little bit down, but I mean, still a classic match. You know, it's an all-time moment for sure. And from there, he has the match with Rude at SummerSlam '90, which is okay. I think it's the less least of their three pay-per-view matches, but still, still good uh both survivor series 90 matches are fine but they're they're quick short short runs uh rumble 91 i really like that match with slaughter i think a lot of it has to do with the savage interference but i think it's a really good match with and at the end how you get the long announcement from the fink where he just says ladies and gentlemen the new world champion, Sergeant Slaughter. It just the crowd is not happy at all. And the warrior runs out like a crazy man, and brings up the WrestleMania Seven match, which I've said already. It's it was my number one match on the G W W list. It was it's always been my favorite match, and I think it is one of the best story matches they've ever done. Like the story of that whole match is that neither of these guys will be beat until finally Savage is just out of gas and Warrior just pins him with the one foot. And it was a great send off. And then from there for actual matches for the warrior, I would say you'd have, I, the SummerSlam 91 main event is not great, but SummerSlam 92 where it is him versus uh, Randy Savage for the world title is an awesome match. Kind of a, a shoddy ending, depending on you know what you think, but the in-ring match is really good for the duration of the match until the booking butts in, and then that is pretty much it for notable matches. He's got a couple in '96 when he comes back, but nothing that really helps his resume rather than hurts it. So I'll just kind of avoid
0: those. What'd you have at WrestleMania six again for a uh, that match star rating?
1: I said four and a half.
0: I agree. I had that four and a half, and I had WrestleMania seven at five.
1: Yeah, I have that at five and six and seven and a quarter, whatever, whatever the highest ranking is, that'll always get my highest ranking. Gotcha. Of course, of course. All right. Um,
0: you know, early on the tables match with or the ladder match with the 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 Terry Invitational four stars, the uh the WrestleMania seventeen. Five stars, WrestleMania 2000, four and a half, SummerSlam, four and a half. Um, those are the gist of his tag, you know, his tag stuff there. Edge has been always, in my opinion, always, always, always been a great Royal Rumble competitor and always have been a um, a great Elimination Chamber guy. You know so I'm not gonna hit all of those, but I think that should definitely be added to his if it's match resume or his his in ring whatever um definitely impactful in those categories for sure um, his two thousand two I mentioned that earlier being really really good in my opinion uh here are some of the The matches that I think stood out four stars at Backlash against Kurt Angle. Uh, Three and a half star, three and a half stars at Judgment Day in the hair for hair match against Kurt Angle. Four and a quarter steel cage on Smackdown in May versus Kurt Angle. So, you know, that's a three in 2002. That's a very excellent feud between the two um four stars versus eddie guerrero in september this is kind of where he starts with the smackdown stick six kind of starts four uh three and a half stars unforgiven four stars um on a smackdown both those versus eddie another three and a half against kurt five uh four and three quarters benoit and angle versus edge and mysterio at no mercy in the and the wwe tag team title tournament finals um that match is fucking fantastic here's an underrated match that i kind of talked about a few times on a podcast brock lesnar and paul Heyman versus edge in a handicap match three and three quarter stars um at rebellion uk i loved it i loved it it was a little wonky with Heyman, but man was it fucking awesome i think edge I wouldn't rule out Edge and Brock at this year's WrestleMania, especially if Brock um, finishes up with Lashley sooner than later. I think that's a, a cool legacy match that would uh, would draw a lot of interest and would be interesting layout wise because Edge is a smart layout guy. Such late in his career, I'm really curious what he would do with Brock. I know Brock, he wouldn't want to get killed by Brock,
1: but Yeah, I-, I know he wouldn't want he would not want the 15 German suplexes that you usually get from.
0: Yeah, so I'm very curious how that layout would, would be. But anyways, let's uh put a, a few wraps on the SmackDown 6. Benoit on a SmackDown, three and a half. Um, three and a half, Edge and Mysterio versus Los Aguero's on a SmackDown. I think that, that was... And then we had Edge and Kurt. I mean, Edge and Mysterio versus Kurt and Benoit on a SmackDown, three and three quarters in a 25-minute match. Survivor Series, tag team elimination, three-way. Uh, Edge and Mysterio, Benoit and Kurt, Los Guerreros, four stars at the Survivor Series. And then four and a quarter stars. Another Benoit, Eddie, Edge, Kurt Angle, elimination, number one contender on a SmackDown, four and a quarter stars there. And then we had a really cool Edge and Billy Kidman versus Los Guerreros to kind of close out the SmackDown six. So uh, that's kind of... The I just wanted to kind of hit those just so we had some SmackDown Six vibes from Edge to give him kind of his just do there. Um, so you know I thought that was pr- pretty cool to go over. Um, then he would return. Um, he would return. Backlash. No, sorry. He would ret- that Backlash match is terrible. That he would return and have just like a bunch of a cool. Run of tag teams with Benoit in '04. I wouldn't. I nec- didn't necessarily talk about it, and I didn't really grade him. But here I see him with uh, flirting with some Evolution stuff, where he had a few back-to-back Raws, where he had some four-star tag matches in '04 with Benoit. Um, Vengeance live. If you, you you see your boy in the front row as a high schooler, here I believe it was in Hartford. Um, vengeance four and a quarter stars i did watch that re that recently for this for this podcast and uh four stars again another tag team match on raw in 04 edge jericho and benoit versus evolution um where the where do i have my HBK stuff written down Again, orton and edge again at the end of 04 uh around three and a half stars All right, here we go. Edge and HBK at the Royal Rumble. Three and a half stars. Wasn't great. wasn't great. A little disappointing. It was early in the card, but it was um, uh, impactful, I would say. Uh, Here's a cool legacy match. Edge and Christian in 05 versus HBK in Orton. Weird tag team, but, um, you know, solid tag team match. Uh, Meltzer gave it four, so that's interesting. All right, so now kind of let's roll into my gradings here. Um, I have 06 written down and I have, I have the cash-in for Edge at New Year's Resolution. It was a minute and 46 seconds, and I actually went three stars. Three and a half stars, excuse me. I'm not going the full four, five stars like the honky-tonk man and Aaron, but, uh, yeah, three and a half stars for the first ever Money in the Bank cash-in. You know, you're taking in structure, story, um, in pe- crowd reaction, work rate. It's hard to give this match a super high grade. But, man, it's super memorable. It's more of a moment than a match. But three and a half stars is, you know, epic. Four stars against Ric Flair in a TLC match for the WWE Championship. Um, Mick Foley at WrestleMania 22, four and a half. Edge versus Triple H versus Cena at Backlash, four stars. Beulah, Funk, and Dreamer versus Edge, Leader, and Foley, four and a quarter three and a half against rvd at vengeance day i have um i have SummerSlam at three and a half and i have unforgiven tlc with cena at four and a half i have the survivor series rated rko oh excuse me i have that's a, that's, a, that's a shitty match that's like a three-star survivor series match i have Rated RKO versus the Hardy Boys. It's a DQ, it ends in a DQ, but I went three and a half at the tail end of Raw. And then I have Rated RKO and Kenny versus DX and Ric Flair at three and a half. And then I have the last Raw of 2006 with uh, John Cena versus Edge in a steel cage at three and a half. All right, let's jump to some modern stuff. I don't, I didn't grade after 06 for Edge, but I'm sure he you know, has a lot of stuff that could be added. But here we go. Royal Rumble, four and a half. Edge versus Randy Orton, Backlash, four and three quarters. I have Edge versus Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns at four and three quarters. I have Edge and Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank, four. I have Edge and the Mysterios versus The Bloodline at the first ever SmackDown Live three and a half you know post pandemic I have Rollins versus Edge at four at SummerSlam Rollins versus Edge on Smackdown September 11th I believe at four and a quarter and I have Edge and Edge and Rollins at Hell in a, or in Hell in a Cell at Crown Jewel at five Miz at day one at four and a quarter I have Priest versus Edge at from Raw this year at four stars and then I have Priest I've seen Finn Balor versus edge at a quarter at four and a quarter. I quit extreme rules this year. Um, Edges. Let's just put it this way. Warriors, high quality stuff is way more impactful than edges. Edges is much deeper. What say you before we put a bow on this?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the peak moments we gave to warrior. And I think that kind of, all of the matches he has are peak moments but edge has so many more matches that i kind of would lean towards edge to be yeah, honest
0: it's the, the resume is just so strong and so <laughs> deep um but the warriors like like you said um if we were to probably take the top t- i really want to do this but i didn't get a chance to do it if we were to take the top 10 matches between these guys i have a feeling that the warrior would probably have like two three or excuse me would have like one three and five and edge would f- would fill out the rest right if, yeah you know what i mean like warrior would have probably have three in the top five but edge would have Five, six, seven, and eight, and then somewhere like two and like five or two and four, if we were to kind of combine these in a way. So just because of the depth, I will go edge, but you know, hey, like you said, warriors underrated, man. Alright. So Ryan, let's put a bow on this. Do you want to make a final case here for for the ultimate
1: warrior? I just edge. you know, like he had such a you know, it's a shooting star, but It doesn't have, you know, down periods, you know, 96 aside, it's not really, he's not put into a spot to embarrass himself then. So it's not 98 WCW at least, which thankfully for him does not count in this poll. But, you know, I think he's always a main eventer. He's always made to be this unbeatable monster god. and. He to, eventually, to his own fault, I think, believed it and made the character it him, him completely, and it definitely comes through in his presentation. He is he is the ultimate warrior, legally, eventually, but yeah, he's WWE. His in ring career, his in ring stories, I think, if you actually look at them and don't just think of the you know the different people's opinions i think he's clearly a top at least top 25 gwe guy yeah and i was wrong i said 23 i just looked at the list i had
0: him at 25 oh okay so i had, and i had edge at 19 so i've edged about 4 five, 5 5 or 6 spots ahead of the warrior here um I'm I'm sure the edge is going to rise for me just off the Rollins feud and then re-watching 02 since it, rewatching watching 06 since it, and then really just the resume of stuff he put on. He is not going to jump into the next tier, but he might move up to like 17, 18 for me. I'm not sure how much higher. He might... I had Jericho at 16. I would have loved to do Jericho versus Edge because I thought that would be pretty interesting. I'm not sure where that lines up, but Jericho's like the ceiling for Edge to pass for me, I'm not sure if he'll get there, I'll have to kind of put my, dig deep into that and see, but that's kind of where I see Edge could be rising. Um, yeah, to make a case here for Edge, longevity, flexibility, promos, work rate, and really the resume is undeniable, in my opinion. Um, I, get, I get some of the flaws, but man, some of the he's just super 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 good in some stuff too and then i had we had the warrior with charisma and star power edges charisma and star power isn't bad peak moments we had warrior again tlc money in the bank the rumble return those are not bad peak moments at all storylines we went warrior because the impactfulness but then again Hardy's, Dudley's, Angle, SmackDown 06, Orton, HBK, Matt Hardy, Flair, Cena, Foley, DX, Cena again, and then Rollins, The Judgment Day, like, those aren't bad storylines at all, like, Edge just sprays NJPW up and down, I I, I don't think you can deny it, and I understand, like, 30, 5, 40, maybe, I might consider low, but it's still a respectful spot for edge and um i don't think he's a top 10 guy if you put him at the bottom of your top 10 oh, i guess you know twist my arm okay but he ain't there for me i don't think you're crazy he's not a top five guy if he's in your top five you're a little boy. you let's have a conversation
1: yeah even if you're top 10 i think you gotta yeah. start watching wrestling before 1998 there's there's plenty yeah. of guys that or, or i agree. past 2008 or whenever yeah like
0: I 100% agree. I was being a little le- lenient with the fans out there. Or not the fans, but like the the listeners out there. If he's in your top 10 at the bottom half, okay, okay. Top 5, let's have a conversation. You need to DM me, and we need to sit down for an hour and talk about this. But um, yeah, Edge is a legacy guy. He's a top 20 guy. I believe so. He's definitely a top 25 guy. He's definitely a, absolutely a top 30 guy. Um, If he's past top 50, I believe you're a hater. If he's off your list, you need oh, yeah. to reevaluate yourself. You know what I mean. So, um, oh, he's a, he's definitely a staple within this company, and he should be G W W E. Before we put a bow on this, we got one, two, three, four, five, five for Edge. One, two, three, four with a small tick in the character for Ultimate Warrior. So we're equal. I just yep. think that the um the Edge side is a little better and a little closer to then the warrior to the edges checks if you get what i mean so but then again if you value history and if you value the the higher periods where the warrior was on top then absolutely the warrior should be about you know should be higher on your list and i don't
1: think you're wrong at all you know what i mean yeah i mean again this is all subjective you know there's some things that i think yeah right but yeah i think you know when you're talking about even the top 30 you know it's they're all guys that have left a huge mark on the company, so it's not really a slight against them. It's just your. It gets down to really a personal preference, no matter how scientific we want to make it, you know.
0: Yep. Yeah. So uh, it would be interesting just to kind of see what these guys lay. Eight a- ledge. Uh, layout at the end of the year so edge is definitely a pivot point but we'll see all right buddy let's just rock into part two let's be brief with it and you want to you want to talk subjectiveness you want to talk craziness tyler excuse me ryan what are we doing with this part two
1: well i'm going to the isle of polynesian the polynesian islands as he was first described but then, eventually, just Japan, the 500-pound monster, Yokozuna. bonsai,
0: bonsai. When I am going to go to the swamps of Louisiana. I am not going to visit Andrew Reich and Jacob Williams. And I'm going to go straight to Bray Wyatt. And I think this is definitely an interesting match. Now, I don't really think that we should go through... The 10 categories, I don't want to stay here all night and talk Bray Wyatt, uh, but I think we should have, like, at least a 20, 25-minute conversation on how we think that these two guys kind of line up. So, these guys are both WWE champions. I would say Yokozuna is a better WWE champion than Bray Wyatt, and that's really not debatable. Um, yeah,
1: and just also, you know, I mean, no fault to Bray, but it was a time where there were two champions, and, you know... Yeah. That's true. Y- Yoko was the the champ for almost the better part of a year, really. Nine months.
0: Yeah. In a transition period where he the company was shrinking and shrinking and going down and down when he was on top. Um, Not necessarily his fault, but, you know, my man was in charge. But it's, it was the first time where the company was led by a heel for a long period of time. Um, do you just want to kind of give us just what Yoko's quick, just kind of where he would just run down his career and then we'll kind of go over the categories one by one. So we're not repeating ourselves.
1: All right. So, yeah, he came in. I actually saw a clip of it the other day. It was, I guess his debut was Halloween, 1992. Oh, that's cool. Squashed a jobber. And then by Survivor Series, he's uh, facing Yoko or facing Virgil who warns Bret Hart afterwards about the great Yokozuma. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, he's just, that's kind of his role up until the Royal Rumble. You know, he's squashing either jobbers or, you know, jobbers to the stars like Coco Beware in his parachute pants on the first Raw. I think, yeah, that's the first match in Raw history is Yokozuna versus Coco Beware. And then at the Royal Rumble, he comes in and, dominates really he eliminates the most guys at one point he's like six guys try to get him out and they can't do anything he is actually knocked down by or he falls down going after randy savage and gets hit with the elbow drop and randy savage for some reason goes for a pin in a royal rumble so that gets he gets tossed out (laughs) and yoko wins the rumble from his back which is pretty cool uh And then he goes to WrestleMania nine against Bret Hart. Beats Bret Hart and then his manager has the great idea to challenge Hulk Hogan. And Yoko loses the belt to Hulk Hogan that night. But then he would gain it back at King of the Ring ninety three. When the photographer's camera blew up in uh Hogan's face, and then Yoko even finishes it with the leg bus with the leg drop just to kinda the final screw you to Hogan. And then he is the like I said, the heel champ for you know he he loses to Lex Luger at SummerSlam, but keeps the belt by a count out. Lex Luger celebrates like he won the world title, but he did not. And then uh after that, he goes into a feud with the Undertaker for a little bit. Uh him and Ten of his buddies end up killing The Undertaker at the Royal Rumble. And he'll have to pay for that eventually. But then he loses the title back to Bret Hart at WrestleMania 10 after successfully defending it against Lex Luger earlier in the night. And then he kind of flounders in the post-WrestleMania buzz. He does have a sumo fight with uh, Earthquake Raw, which was pretty cool. And then at Survivor Series 94, they have him go against Undertaker again, and they had kind of started, I think even before SummerSlam 94, they kind of started pivoting back towards Yokozuna and Undertaker because they realized how bad the Underfaker was. <laughs> so they get back to that feud. That's a casket match at Survivor Series 94. It's It's all right. It, you know, it's, it's better than the previous month's pay-per-view main event. Not saying much, but it gets the job done. And then you know goes away for about six months here, and he comes back in at WrestleMania 11 as Bowen Hart's mystery tag partner. They beat the Smoking Guns and become tag champs. And they're a real fun big guy, little guy tag team for the next almost year, and part of team part of Camp Cornette, and you know feuding with. The other top faces, Diesel, Shawn Michaels, uh, Razor Ramon, he has a couple good matches with. And, you know, he's on Raw a lot, tag matches. And he eventually, him and Owen lose the tag titles, and then there's some dissension in the ranks. And then especially when Vader comes in, him and Vader have a showdown at the Royal Rumble. And then... And then weeks to follow Yokozuna gets quits or fires Jim Cornette, so then Vader comes back after him for revenge. Yokozuna now becomes a happy talking fat Samoan. And now he's strictly Samoan and Mr. Fuji starts waving the American flag for some reason. I don't know why that that changed his ideas about Japan, but it does apparently. And then from there, he kind of is too fat to wrestle. He has the match against Steve Austin at SummerSlam 96 where he breaks the top rope. And then he's at the 96 Survivor Series in a Survivor Series match, which is kind of a mess. I think he injures Vader's shoulder trying to do a belly to belly. He's just too big to move, unfortunately, and that would ultimately be his last in ring match and yeah that was it unfortunately for his career he could never really cut down to a healthier weight and yeah i'm doing all the depressing guys this this show i guess (laughs) none of them end well yeah it's a there's a lot there but it's really
0: there's really not that much you know what i mean it's a lot of eh, yeah yeah all right so bray wyatt started off within in the nexus as husky harris it was a nexus is kind of a spinoff this is like nexus 2.0 or whatever but it nexus originally a spinoff of the nxt show which was where you pit a rookie in a pro and they kind of i don't know like i don't want to they don't team up but one judges each other one judges the other and kind of shows him the way of becoming a wwe superstar within a game show within a wrestling match within a wrestling show so it's kind of hard to explain for you but i'm sure us marks know what nxt was at the start but trivia question ryan Mm -hmm. now I, i think you've done well on trivia but who was husky harris's pro
1: I'm going to say, for some reason, I'm picturing our truth uh, I'm going to have to call that one in and get one of your
0: titles revoked. But anyways, um, it was actually Cody Rhodes. Oh, okay. Huh. So I wonder if we see that in the next six months as a revisit. You know what I mean? Yeah. As, as we get into Bray a little later here. Um, maybe we see Bray revisit. Re, re, Bray's kind of working out his past, so maybe we see him revisit something, and Cody Rhodes, the beginning of his WWE career, kind of pops up again. But anyways, Cody was his pro. Um, After NXT, he would kind of pretty much link up with Randy Orton. I mean, not Randy Orton, CM Punk in the Nexus feud with like Michael McGillicuddy. I think yeah. David Otunga was a hangover. Um, Big Zeke. Well, he comes... Zeke was no Zeke was the core, buddy. Come on, oh, yeah, the
1: core, yeah. How could I forget? Well, Mason let's get, Ryan let's was get with a... it. let's get with it. Um Mason Ryan was Nexus,
0: right? Mason Ryan was Nexus. Um it was a shit show at this point. But anyway, CM Punk was the leader. Um so and again, I wonder if we run into CM Punk in Bray Wyatt in the near future again. But, anyways, that's uh neither here or there but anyways the nexus would be a failure husky harris would be sent back down to uh, nxt which was florida i don't know i think i think it turned into nxt i think like this is when it transitioned
1: florida and then it became nxt while he was developing this new character yeah but either way
0: rotunda would be repackaged as bray wyatt and um he went through a few family members like Eli Cottonwood but um he pretty much landed with Luke Harper and Eric Rowan as I guess his disciples his heavies his followers call him whatever you were but Colt, uh, Bray turned into a cult leader within NXT um and he was it really had a good focus on character work and he had a really good focus on promos which we'll get into get into a little bit here too but anyways he would run NXT he would this flush out this cult leader character and we debut at SummerSlam 2013 in an inferno match with Kane um he would really focus his energy on John Cena trying to become the new face of the WWE he was um very preachy he uh he called John Cena out on his bullshit pretty much and um he really was focused on kind of putting cena in his place unfortunately at wrestlemania he lost that match and that kind of was a setback on a lot of big upside for this cult leader bray wyatt character um this run here from uh 12 to 14 as this character was um impactful in NXT and in the wwe um very memorable great character work great promos um kind of pretty good in ring still at this time too um before this he would have a mini feud with the shield having memorable matches actually one being on main event and the other one being at extreme rules i didn't put grades on him because i didn't i put my focus on edge in the prep but um i know that they are well regarded for bray and um like in the upper fours and i don't think yoko in a tagger not had a match this high you know what i mean so you know kudos to bray there um he would then kind of ch- change his character his direction he was kind of like the face of fear he was cape like cape fear bray in a way you know what i mean um more, not cult leader ish like kind of vibing away from that more of just like personal feud bray but this was he would he was like the new face of fear like they kind of tweaked his direction the wyatt family really went away and he was just solo bray and he would just kind of just be like he had weird ambrose feuds he had weird rollins stuff um he just, it just it was just weird i don't know it was hard to describe he had a really good run in that shitty rumble you know what i mean yeah he, he came in at five. He eliminated that Brian, that fan favorite. He lasted, I think, around fifty minutes. I don't think he got the full hour, but I know he was pretty impactful in that Rumble, and he was good in that Rumble. Uh, and then he kind of pivoted to a Undertaker feud. Um, Undertaker went away after Brock beat him at thirty, and um, he didn't return for a full whole full character year later. But Bray, from pretty much February to WrestleMania that year, did a good job of building up that WrestleMania feud for Undertaker in the return. Again, they sacrificial uh, they sacrificed Bray to make another guy. Uh, eater of pins. This is the eater of pins era for Bray. Um, but the WrestleMania match was fine. You know, three stars, if that. Um, good spectacle. Really cool entrance as the sun was going down. The Scarecrows. Um, Just just cool stuff from Bray. The vibe is always there. The vibe is, you know, always star powerish, you know, I mean, whatever. But the eater of pins definitely was an issue for Bray. Um, He would link up with a new monster, Braun Strowman, in return, the Wyatt family. The Wyatt family would kind of go on. I kind of like they took out the Brothers of Destruction um, and, and set up a match. For the brothers of destruction at i believe was this 20 years for the undertaker or 25 years of the survivor series
1: 25 years
0: <laughs> yeah 25 years of the undertaker for survivor series so pretty cool legacy match there um the brothers of destruction again beating the yf fa- family eaters of pins um uh i like that they had the bounce back feud with ecw like dreamer and um, yeah that was good i like that i don't really remember but it was cool and memorable good stuff um But they heated him back up for a Brock feud at WrestleMania. Um, But Ambrose got hot. Ambrose got hot. And they pivoted and went Ambrose versus Brock. Now, if they went Bray at Brock at WrestleMania 32, that would have been an interesting dynamic. So if WrestleMania 30, you get Cena. WrestleMania 31, you get undertaker wrestlemania 32 you get brock that's a hell of a fucking lineup even if you're losing those matches you're you're a reliable superstar even if it's in the upper mid card that hey wrestlemania comes around we need you in the main event or not the main event but we need you in the upper mid card so that's a low-key undervalued thing but they pivoted and they didn't go with bray in Brock. Um, They were building towards it at the Royal Rumble, and they pivoted to Dean, which was an interesting move. Um, they had a, kind of an infamous match where Dean wanted to go out there and have like a Moxley match and do Bob Wire and t- thumbtacks, and Brock was like, "Yeah, fuck you. We're gonna do a few chair spots, and you're gonna take them, and I'm gonna be home before this, before the main event is even on. I'm gonna be on my jet, and I'm out of here." So it would have been that's like a an another pivot because his thing, Bray Wyatt is not beating Brock Lesnar, so it's kind of like we're using this guy he's a he's a popular heel he's impactful he fills a lot of time on raw um we can rely on him but we're not gonna go with him but we have a brand separation um actually before i get off wrestlemania 32 really cool moment with the rock of course it was an hour six of an eight hour wrestlemania so it's kind of forgettable and you know, Eric Rowan's out there being the sacrificial ram, it should not have been Bray, but still Bray at WrestleMania confronting the rock in the John Cena return. Bray Wyatt's star power is relied on. You know, so interesting. The night after WrestleMania, they go on to um kind of turn face they beat up the league of nations and then they they close the night after wrestlemania as baby faces and either bray gets hurt or something happens where they they have to pivot off of that and they the the feud just kind of goes away i I, like and then they pivot off and then they just dissipate really and then rowan's on smackdown and bray's on smackdown and Strowman's on raw
1: so yeah i think I think Bray got injured in that match where he was teaming with Roman. Yeah. And then yeah he's he's gone till for about six months, so it must have been something that happened to him.
0: Yeah. But uh, anyways, that's again that's like the start of oh six sixteen is a weird pivot for Bray. But they focus on him when he comes back. They have the Rand, the start of the Randy stuff. The start of the Randy stuff is really good. Where they take in Randy to the to the Wyatt family. Him, it's him and harper they don't it's like not really the wyatt family but they kind of reform the wyatt family again they take in orton and orton's hot here bray's hot here they win the tag team championships they are the sole survivor in the in the first ever raw versus smackdown survivor series match so that's a, a kind of low-key jump up moment there in my opinion and then they have the great royal rumble down the stretch where uh Orton wins. Uh, Bray kind of sacrifices himself with the spear from Roman. RKO, throw him over the top, and then Bray finally wins the title in the chamber against Cena the next month, which leads to the weird, very bad WrestleMania 33 match with Orton. Oh God! Like, like, what are we doing? Like throwing? It's like we have this new toy. And let's you know bray oh well, let's do, let's do bray Wyatt for, for, for you know he's over let's use him for that stuff you know what I mean so it's just kind of like hard to explain, but there's there's worms cinematically graphic on the that was very weird it 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 it, it was terrible yeah. <laughs> i I'm, I'm not gonna lie so again like this guy is a reliable dude up in the upper mid card he's constantly filling t v time and he's in pivotal roles you know so Oh, I I think that he has a pretty strong impact so far, and then he has this this he finds himself really, uh, just kind of in like the Matt Hardy universe. Matt Hardy returns at that WrestleMania, again. Bray kind of goes away after this. He they have that uh, House of Horror yeah.
1: match. Say so you can't skip over the House of Horrors match.
0: They have the House of Horror match, and Sister Abigail is brought to the ground, or something like that, right? And then he's drafted to Raw in the middle of the Superstar Shakeup, what middle of 2017? I forget when that was, or whatever. So I don't know why it wins for, with help from Jinder in the House of Horror match. Um, it's non-title. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. Do you?
1: No, I mean the spooky tractor was the best part of it, and
0: yeah, I I wasn't gonna rewatch it for this, and and (laughs) it's not necessarily in my wheelhouse. But anyways, um, he jumps on Raw. He uh he kind of links up with Finn Balor. They have this um sister ab like spooky sister Abigail's dead, but like she's like reincarnated in his body. And then like he wants to like feud with the demon Finn. And then you have like pumpkin Finn, and then he gets like a staff infection. And then they like they insert Styles and they Styles has the great match with
1: Finn at like uh, Styles and Balor have a four and a half star match out of nowhere.
0: Out of nowhere at what TLC was it? Something like yeah, that. TLC one
1: one something. of the one of the C pay
0: per views or something. I I don't I don't remember. I don't get it. But like that match goes away and he has this staff affection and he's kind of gone again. And then he kind of reinserts himself with Matt Hardy. They have this weird feud. They have an ultimate deletion match that I actually have in my notes at two and three quarter stars. Not at WrestleMania at like the raw before WrestleMania. And then Bray disappears and he's not booked at WrestleMania, but then he appears after Matt Hardy wins the Andre at WrestleMania 34 pre-show. And then he they're in a tag team and they win the tag team belts at Saudi, but then they drop him to Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. And again, Bray Wyatt's gone for what? A
1: year now? Uh Close to it. I mean, he comes back the night after WrestleMania the next year or so. Yeah. It was like June or something, right, that he lost? Yeah, so 10 months, roughly. Yeah. So,
0: like, this this Bray Wyatt character, he's the eater of pins. He's constantly used. They never go with him. They go with him a little bit, but then it was just the setup. Or, and again, he's constantly used as... A guy to put over the stars, to give the stars something to do. His promos and his character were extremely relied on within a Raw that is loaded with content that they need. And he's still mega popular. And then he returns as the Fiend. The Firefly Funhouse, like you said, right after WrestleMania, if not the night after, a few weeks after... And you start getting this, like, Firefly, Mr. Rogers vibes. And we're not sure where it's leading. There's characters. There's a rambling rabbit. There's an Abby the Witch. Is it Abigail? We don't know. Um, there's Mercy. There's a Mercy guy with, like, a Hawaiian shirt. So You're like, hmm, that's, like, a callback to the past. You got, like, a pig. Oh, is that Huskus the pig? Huskus we don't, the pig, yeah. We don't really have answers, but it's super memorable and it's super compelling and we're not sure where it's going but it leads to this epic entrance and the fiend is revealed at SummerSlam 2019 against Finn Balor it's a 5 minute match it's pretty much a glorified squash and he just kills Finn Balor and Finn Balor's gone and um yeah fuck man like that was a moment like like that when the fiend showed up shit hit the fan and he felt like a fucking star and there was equity into the, all the promos and the vignettes for the last three, four months and this was going something and The Fiend was something. He was the highest merchandise seller. He was a bigger star than Bray Wyatt. It was something but it was in a time of need. It was in a time where we just got a one billion five-year contract with Fox. Um, it's a time where bray wyatt is putting up roman reigns numbers so let's put our biggest two stars on the same brand let's put them for depth let's put them on smackdown the colors of the fiend the impactfulness of winning the title at he just killed seth rollins like they couldn't help themselves they couldn't the fiend couldn't be personal the fiend couldn't tell a story this like they instantly killed and chopped off the momentum of the feed they didn't let they heated it up way too fast it was like microwave in the lasagna. It was hot, wicked hot on the outsides, but as soon as you sunk your fork into it, it was ice cold in the middle, and there was no substance there because they lay. They did a good, good job of presenting the fiend, but they never let it lay out. Like the fiend is a personal character that should have personal vendettas, like kind of what they're doing now, like laying out a story with backstory. So within that backstory, they have stuff to work off, but we'll get to that in a second. But the f- they, they fucked up The Fiend. The Fiend coulda, shoulda, woulda been something big, but they don't know what they're doing. So The Fiend goes and has this terrible Hell in a Cell match. You know there's DQs in the Hell in a Cell with, like, there's, like, rabbits and there's like hammers and there's just like
1: giant sledgehammers
0: giant sledgehammers that look ridiculous and like 18 curb stomps that you're not allowed to sell and they never told us that the fiend can't sell but the fiend just goes out there and just totally destroys a seth rollins character that is vulnerable as a character that is vulnerable as a lead man and the fiend totally kills it no dq in a hell in a cell all-time bad hell in a cell awful match like on the level of wrestlemania 33 from just god-awful bullshit from the fiend but it's fucking booking and it comes out that it's vince's decision it's like Heyman's decision to go ahead and do this they can't talk him out of it and do you penalize rollins and the fiend for this like malpractice of booking in a way, you have to, but in the way with other guys, you if you know if they're if you're making the case, you can always point to oh it's the booking's fault, but you know so that's always a gray area. But that's you can't defend that. That's all time bad. That's terrible, and it really kills the momentum of this fiend character that had so much upside. But still, it survives. This fiend character still survives for another two years or a year and a half after this in pockets so the fiend wins the belt and the fiend then goes the like rollins is dead he's on smackdown and they are on raw and like he needs a shitload of rehab and he, they kill rollins for a whole year pretty much because of this fiend so the fiend changed the, the story is that is once you face the fiend you're changed so he faced the miz and he was like firefly funhouse miz and like Instantly, he's, like, going to Maurice's house and, like, stalking Maurice, and it's very forgettable. It's not very good, but he changes the Miz. Um, so there's a pattern here. He changes Rollins. He changes the Miz. He, like, beats up Foley. He beats up Angle. So, like, he hangs up these pictures of guys that he kills or whatever, and so he's targeting people it that's a good story but there's no substance in like he's not making anyone better he's like killing characters and is again is that booking is that him whatever like the no selling is is like indescribable bad it's 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 should not be a part of a wrestling character in a real world so anyways he he kills rollins he he has a really good strap match with um brian at survivor series was this strap match a Survivor Series was, or was that, that the Rumble?
1: Rumble? Survivor Series was just a
0: straight up match. So he has a like, but it's Daniel Bryan, an all time guy, right? So oh. again, is so this is my case. Like these two matches against Bryan, the strap match in the in the Survivor Series match, three and a half and three, right? Are those like I will make a case later versus the two Bret Hart matches against Yoko. So as for work rate rise and resume wise, whatever. So that's my case for down the road. But like I said, we're, we're doing unconventional. We're kind of going through the careers and then we're going to hit the, the categories quick. So let me finish this fiend character. So he changes Brian. Brian goes through it. whatever. Brian cuts his hair. Brian's just not the same. So it's a, but Brian survives because he's Daniel fucking Brian. But then he runs into Goldberg at Saudi. Bruce Pritchard's like, well, we got to get the belt off him. We want to go with Roman. We always thought that we were going to get Roman and The Fiend at WrestleMania 36. Um, I thought that would have been a very well-built match. Um, and it would have been the start of the Tribal Chief. And then we're still are we where we're at. And Roman can win at WrestleMania 36. But then John <laughs> Cena agrees to do the show. And, well, we can't do John Cena we need versus the fiend for the belt we need to do georgia versus georgia tech <laughs> like okay but anyways we need to do georgia versus georgia tech the spear versus spear the football player versus the football player that needs the belt so goldberg needs to just not now the fiend can sell the fiend is you know he takes two two three jackhammers in what five three four five minutes in. Goldberg is the champ, and the Fiend, all the equity we put in the Fiend, good or bad, but as soon as there was equity within pinning the Fiend, and they fucking wasted it on Goldberg. Like, what are we doing, guys?
1: Gotta get those youngsters over.
0: Yeah, like, that was just like, again, booking malpractice. Like, I don't really get mad Like, i never really like Bray Wyatt. Like, I don't get mad about booking decisions because I don't really I don't overreact or whatever. But that was fucking terrible. And I like remember texting my buddy Rossi, who's on the no so with me now, like nonstop. Like, what are we doing with this shit? Like, what the fuck's going on? Like, yada, yada, yada. We had Smackdown tickets the next day. And I was, I was never to a fe- point where, like, I don't want to go. I'm like, well, we're getting Cena. We really need Goldberg to beat The Fiend. So The so Fiend gets his win back against Cena. Like, that's hurting. Like, what are we doing? Like, this is so fucking stupid. We couldn't find a better way to get the belt off him. But anyways, so we killed Rollins. The Fiend character killed Rollins. Miz is whatever. Brian recovers. And then Goldberg kills The Fiend. So all this equity... Just this is just terrible booking to start SmackDown from nineteen to WrestleMania thirty-six. Then the pandemic hits and we get John Cena. I was at that SmackDown, memorable John Cena, where the Fiend comes out and points at him. Um Cena's this is unbelievable reaction for Cena there live. Cena again, this is Cena Megastar. The Fiend needs to re-get his win back at WrestleMania from WrestleMania 30. He recognizes that. He needs to go in his past and redo all his wrongs, and John Cena happens. But hey, luckily for the fiend, the the pandemic happens, and we have that unbelievable Firefly Funhouse. Is it a wrestling match? No, but it's a huge jump up moment. I went three stars on it. I mean, I went three and a half stars on it just because there was like four wrestling matches, four wrestling moves. It was 15 minutes. There was a story there. There was structure. I don't know. I didn't know how to rate it. There's
1: it was Saturday Night's main event promo style. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the NWO, the fucking, it told a story, and I get it. It was fucking awesome. It was just what we needed in the pandemic. It was great. I rewatched it for late. Uh, it it holds up. I loved it. It was great. But anyways, he's gone. He returns to the Raw brand. No, he returns and focuses on the new champion Braun Strowman because Roman Reigns goes away. He wins the but He wins the he wins the Universal title at SummerSlam in actually I went three stars on the Braun Strowman SummerSlam main event. Um pretty good. Non-sanctioned matched, but out of nowhere Roman Reigns returns and turns returns as a heel. And then they just happen to book payback the week after Summerslam and the Fiend is defeated against Braun Strowman in Roman Reigns in a triple threat match. Roman pins Strowman. Okay. That's something we can maybe cross down the road, but we'll see. Um, Reigns pinned Strowman. Why it was the Fiend was the champion, so the Fiend was the champion for a week. R- Roman gets his belt back, and here we are, seven, eight, nine hundred days later, still champ. Not yep. complaining about that whatsoever. So soon after this, the Fiend is drafted to Raw. Um, the Fiend starts a an alliance with Alexa Bliss. Um, Alexa. Well, actually, that started with Braun Strowman because Br- Bray used it as a a weakness for Alexa Bliss because of a mix max challenge and an out of ring friendship between the two of them. So all the spooky ship was transferred to Alexis and they became a duo. Um then he pretty much started a feud with Randy Orton that lasted all the way to WrestleMania thirty seven. Uh Randy Orton burnt him alive at TLC in an Inferno match. The Fiend it was Yep i don't know charcoal like i don't i i, I don't know like I, he has a pretty good match with kevin again a very good ma- a pretty good match with kevin owens in the fiend here on a smackdown before getting drafted to raw on the draft show i must say so um again another good match for uh, for uh the fiend so it's it's not all terrible but i understand the terrible um again this randy orton match is hot garbage but there's some moments where he is well acted like it is well performed there is a good performance within a character there so it's hard to knock like the initials like x y and z of it but the but the in between is well delivered and the chemistry with alexa is really great alexa pins or in that fast lane i guess uh after being burnt, the fiend re- returns at wrestlemania thirty seven and loses and loses after alexa pops uh, again an- obstacles and illusions again pops out of a fucking box and or in wins in a if you listen to close lines and headlines, we had the top ten gambling upsets in wrestling history, and I believe this was like number five or six, and this was like a plus. A l- plus seven hundred, Orton was in this match and he, for gambling odds closing, and Orton actually won this match in a a very weird bad. We'll just let's we'll just say it was a bad match.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah <it's laughs> um. WrestleMania Day Two, uh, it's and that so was the last
1: WrestleMania does not work obviously.
0: Yeah, and that was yeah. <laughs> Again, obstacles and more props or whatever. And that was the last we saw of Bray Wyatt. He was later released. three four months later than that on july 31st 2021 um and he returned at extreme rules this year um the teases of the white rabbit was fantastic this is the reason why i wanted to kind of put up a little fight for bray Uh, um um the jefferson airplane stuff at the house show was unbelievable the qr codes were really cool and then the actual return at extreme rules was epic um unbelievable reaction a few of our got damato was there live a f- just unreal goosebump return you don't really get those but when you get them you know they're all time and that's an all-time moment um i the the character stuff has been slow i actually trust it they're laying it out slowly which is good um they're kind of crossing a lot of t's and dotting a lot of i's from the past within the fiend from the past within the murky booking of bray wyatt um i kind of trust them they have a long-term creative booker um that they hired to kind of overlook this with some credibility um bray is a very creative guy um if there's like a head coach that kind of can hone him in as like a creative offensive coordinator I think that he can be a very effective move the ball win games uh type of character. Um it just needs a lot of focus and energy because there's a lot of charisma, there's a lot of st- a lot of star power, so- some ring in ring ability and um I just think there's a potential to be a mega star. And uh it's a little too early to kind of go there, but um I think he warrants some discussion and some, some consideration um do you have in front
1: of you where these two landed in 2017 i was looking and i could not find them i because you know the, the only way to do it really is go through the previous list i
0: could look i can do i could well personally this is what i had personally i had bray wyatt excuse me personally i had yokozuna 75 in 2017 and i had bray wyatt at 84 now i can see bray and in yoko dipping for me but i do think yeah i do think that they will probably hang on in you know the mid 80s early 90s
1: yeah i had yoko at 40 actually and bray did not make my list
0: okay so i'm going off pretty much all nxt and like eater like cult leader uh eater of worlds i really harped on the wrestlemania resume stuff and this is he was hot at the end of he had a really good 16 and a pretty good start to 17 you know what i mean with yeah line wise and whatever so i can see I why was, i had him decent in 17
1: i think 17 though it also had the orton WrestleMania match, and then the horror, the House of Horrors match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. then he got injured, or then he had his thing with Baylor, which the staff I mean, wasn't great. And then he was out for. So I think the end of seventeen really hurt him for me. I think.
0: Yeah, but um,
1: you know this right, is Yoko definitely... was sorry. Yoko was fifty one. Did Bray make the list? Uh, it does not. Like it's unless unless he's eighty five through hundred It's all right,
0: yeah it's His, if you like there's not it's hard to get duds and it's hard to get negative stars and um braid you know bray delivers on some of that, but a lot of that. Is like booking bullshit, you know. So we'll we'll kind of we'll see from there. But anyways, do you um do you uh what do you see for Yoko as his strengths? Let's let's kind of just start there. What categories, you know, longevity? Not necessarily. Let's just kind of just pin him against each. Let's just go down the list of the categories we get here and then just kind of give give them checks and see where we land all right so yeah. longevity i think i think it's bray you know he's showing a, a little more run yoko was spotty but yoko i think the wrestlemania matches kind of what yeah yoko made a vented too but yeah. bray had two high profile ones also but bray has more volume within you know he has more longevity you know, what do you think? Yeah, I think.
1: I mean, yeah, I think longevity. You got to give it to Bray for sure, just because of you know, Yoko is there, but I mean, Bray's still there. So yeah, it's just gonna keep building.
0: I wouldn't mind seeing Bray in a year.
1: Like if this happened a year ago
0: before, and then we can kind of play it out. But I yeah, I, I it's it's the longevity. You know, we already laid out the cases. For, we went over the history, so we don't need to, you know, hamper on that. But, you know, longevity is Bray. I would like to see more quality longevity, but it is what it is. All right, so charisma.
1: Oof, what do you got? Uh, I'll let you lead this one. Yeah, Yoko had pretty good charisma, I think, as, you know, the heel. He always carried himself, especially, you know, I'm thinking of his title run, like, as the champ, you know. Very ceremonial with the the geisha girls always in the ring presenting him as the flowers and he gets to do the nice ceremonial salt toss and memorable stuff for sure. Yeah, and all you know, kind of you know he was good in the ring, especially I mean he's one of those guys early 90s you want to see some fun squash matches. He him head shrinkers and the Steiner brothers I think are like the holy. Trinity of just killing jobbers and Yoko could do that and walk around the ring. He always felt like very menacing, even in big time matches. Like he's gonna sit on Bret Hart and kill him. Like that was kind of built into the, the the charisma that he he had like kind of a quiet charisma, I would say. Kind of just the way he carried himself. Yeah,
0: a presence and a quiet charisma is a great way to describe it. Um but I just think that the charisma that Bray Wyatt presents is just so infectious, you know, just looking at his mini return right now of how engaging and how so positive after such after such a shit run too. how he closed out, you know, last time around and just him going away and just his charisma and connection. Um, he just connects with such a fraction. Well, I don't want to say fraction, like it's a negative. There's such a part of the fan base that he connects with. Even if it's not you, I don't think you could deny it. And that connection is due to his charisma. um I really do think Yokozuna's charisma is underrated, but I just think this is a check towards Bray.
1: Yeah. I, so
0: I, magnifying. Like it's such a strength to Bray.
1: Yeah, I would agree here that, you know, it's just he's. This is, I think, his strongest point would be his charisma.
0: Yeah, it's really what connects him. But uh, then again, but Br- but the quiet charisma Yoko has sh- should be a reason why he's on your list and a reason why he's quietly high on a lot of people's lists, because there's, there's really not much meat on the bone with Yoko, but there there is a connection there. All right, star power-wise, close
1: to charisma, but what do you got? All right, I think just Yoko was, like I said, he was the man, the heel main guy for over a year really i mean he rolled from i would say rumble 93 until wrestlemania 10 he is the biggest heel in the company the world champ or the guy fighting for the world title so he's always the number one heel there and then even after that you know he takes a backseat for a little while but then he's feuding with yokozuna and then when he's not feuding with you know he Loses that match against Undertaker, the casket match. And then he is, you know, teaming with Owen Hart. They're either the tag champs or fighting for the tag titles. And then when he isn't doing that, he, you know, eventually he turns face. He's feuding with Vader. He's always, when he's on TV, there's a few times here and there where he takes a little bit of time off. But when he's on, he's a big time presence you know, figuratively and literally.
0: Yeah, very cool. Uh, just star power. Again, harping to his return. Uh, just the merchandise sale cannot be degra- d- denied. And the merchandise sale is just just how big of a star he is. And just the social media engagement to the recent return. And even to the social media engagement and then the reception that the, – even the fiend at the start and just the, the aura that it presented – and know the old merchandise that he sold, and then even the star power, even within like the Cape Fear and all that other stuff. I just think he's a fucking star, and it's all it's magnified now on his return. He's just a It's just kind of like charisma. I think it's it's a check towards Bray, and the charisma and the star power go one and one. But then again, Yokos isn't bad either. I think it should be added to him too. We're talking about all time guys here.
1: Yeah, I think so. I just I'm curious to see i know this is kind of a different category but how gray is going to back it up like
0: that's the two this here's the thing all this stuff the charisma and the star power doesn't get hurt by the substance you know what i mean it it really if that he's got a
1: great character but but if he never has a
0: yeah
1: as it does it matter you know
0: ultimately that's the connection in the flexibility it's just really hard to describe but then again like what we're doing you're making a decent case for yoko but really where does his stuff lay out you know what i mean i don't know it's hard to it's really it's a unique kind of it's definitely unique to kind of look at but anyways it's star power and charisma are strength so i think he's just better at yoko than that all right and it's connection so i got it all right so flexibility Again, I could make a weightlifting joke here, but you're not going to get it. What do you got for that flexibility in Yoko? <laughs>
1: uh, well, Yoko mainly a heel, but he could do singles and tags, and also, you know, he in '96 he shows good fire as a face. I think the heel, the face turn was a good idea. It was just his body wasn't up to it, but you know, he could he could play that role, but it would just physically he wasn't around uh, able to do it but you know he could play the role he was definitely I liked him in tag matches it was a him and Owen were a nice tandem you know Owen would work the majority of the match but Yoko would come in and kind of be the the cleanup hitter the fixer of the, the match and just lay the beat down and help them get the win the less said about the tag team with Crush the better but the what <laughs> yeah i
0: know but well, like the uh connecting evil villains or whatever so yeah
1: the foreign villains of hawaii. hawaii yeah oh god
0: uh yeah f- flexibility of bray um it's more character flexibility that i went over um he when I, whenever he was a baby face it would kind of be short-lived and he would kind of have bad luck I'm curious to see him as a babyface now, if that's actually the direction that they go. Um, So from heel to babyface, the flexibility could be there, but it was was always hampered. And he was always a heel, which kind of in a WWE world, he would, in a heel WWE world, he would constantly like lose and make people, especially in that spot. So he was flexible enough to continuously do that, if that kind of makes any sense. Um, Oh, there's flexibility there in ring-wise. Mm, yeah, not necessarily. That's like a substance thing that he struggled with. Um, I dug the tag. He's a pretty good... Here's the thing. He's at his best. He's flexible enough to when being a multi-man tag or a multi-man match, like if it's Extreme Rules, Royal Rumble, or right. like... random tag team match or random five-way match he's really good um he's a pretty good hot tag guy really in a way you know what i mean like his offense is hard to sustain so it's really like furious and on um i don't know it's hard to explain but he's has he has good stuff but he also has the probably the most duds and that's undisputed usable in a way too because it's there's really hard to get dog duds in this era it, it like if that makes any sense so there's some flexibility there um but it's more multi-man match and you could probably count the the very good singles matches by opponents on kind of one hand if i was the, you know what i mean so oh Flexible is kind of hard. It's like neither of these guys are really flexible, <laughs> if that makes if
1: yeah, that makes,
0: makes any so sense. Car. Yeah. Like, we can throw Yoko a bone, I guess. But I think just because of the character flexibilities and the different iterations of Bray that help to maintain staying over and getting over, I might lean Bray here, but I don't want to, like, kind of just go chalk on Bray all the way down until we're not,
1: you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It is it is hard to argue, really, with how Bray was able to change things up character-wise, though, whereas Yoko, I mean, he didn't really need to. I think it was always effective enough, but he was pretty much the same character for the first yeah, few years. But, but
0: the, the only case I would make for that in, is, would be for they would constantly book him to, like, lose, so there was, like, so much... Sub. i don't want to use substance because it wasn't substance but there was so much f- character flexibility and equity that we could co- constantly recycle him at a like seven out of ten on the card where he could never overcome the hump and stay substance and stay on top but he would we like we would cycle him down to five six and build him up to seven to not have him knock someone off but back him down so like the flexibility to kind of work them up and down that middle upper card to make people is what i would say but like you said the flex like yoko didn't really need the flexibility he was relied on so much on top but it was a downtime also so i don't know this is hard I, I do you want to just go equal because we really don't know neither of them are really flexible i'm um, yeah. like i'm like making a character case where i don't know I think we just go equal.
1: All right, peak moments and Yoko, what do you got? All right, so I would say the Rumble '93 is his biggest moment to date. When he, after coming in, he wins it, looks dominant in it, throws out Bob Backlund who was in for 60 minutes, throws out Randy Savage, throws, you know, has a bunch of eliminations. Yeah, snaps Owen Hart's leg. I think when he tosses him out, it's pretty brutal looking and then from there he has the match with Bret at WrestleMania in the main event and he beats Bret Hart i mean you know yeah fuji cheats but he is a heel who wins the world title at WrestleMania of course hulk hogan comes out and does his thing which is a whole other podcast i'm sure <laughs> but you know he's still the at the very least, you could say he's the heel who gets vanquished at WrestleMania. And then the king of the ring, he wins the title back and is the champ. Like, they, runs Hulk Hogan out of the company. I mean, they make no bones about it. Like, they say he he got rid of him. And then he has the big thing on the USS Intrepid on the 4th of July with all the, all the different sports stars trying to slam him. And then... The American hero Lex Luger shows up in his helicopter because <laughs> if you wear an American shirt, now you're a good guy, and slams him. But well, that fair. that sets up the uh, SummerSlam '93 main event, which is at least a big time match. It's not a great an all time classic or anything, but it's a big moment. And then Summer Survivor Series '93, he's the captain of the team and has a very hot segment where he starts fighting with the undertaker and that was that got the crowd going big time and they i think had a house show feud around this time that was really doing big business it was a very popular feud that people were all into and they go to the royal rumble and have their casket match there and Uh lots of things happen in it. The outtaker ascends to the heavens from a casket somehow. Hey man, you
0: wanna you wanna give me shit for getting for fiend getting fucking burnt and the fucking worms?
1: This is on that level. (laughs) Yeah, but it's only the Yokozun only has one of them. Ray has multiples. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, continue. So from there he's still champ and he has a great match on Raw around this in February with Randy Savage. It was like Savage's last shot at the title. And it goes into WrestleMania then where he faces Lex Luger, wins by DQ, but wins. And then goes to his second straight year in the WrestleMania main event against Bret Hart. Loses this time, but it's kind of like a slipped out of a banana peel finish. He just falls off the top rope or falls off the second rope. Going for the bonsai drop, so he still looks like a kill, you know, it's not like he tapped out in the sharpshooter or anything. He just kind of beat himself. And then from there, he like I said, he has a feud with Yoko or with Earthquake, where they have an actual sumo match on Raw. And then he gets back into the feud with the Undertaker at ninety-four Survivor Series in a casket match, which he loses, kind of helping the Undertaker's return. Keep build up steam. From there, he is at he comes back at WrestleMania 11 with Yoko wins or with Owen Hart wins the tag titles. Is tag champ till September. Then he is he breaks off from Camp Cornette and has the feud with Vader, which includes the time where Vader breaks his leg and he has to be carted off on a forklift, not a stretcher. <laughs> And then he has the match at SummerSlam ninety six where he's he breaks the top rope. So they were trying to tell him, I think, quite a bit by the booking here that you gotta lose weight. We're just gonna make you look ridiculous. Which they did. And yeah, and then ninety the end of ninety-six comes he he peters out at Survivor Series and that's it for Yoko.
0: Yeah, so Pretty good peak moments. It's hard. Here's the thing Bray will never reach the peak of 93 Royal Rumble, two WrestleMania main events, in that fucking intrepid. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I already went over Bray's history. Um, let's just give the peak moments to save time to Yoko. You did a great job laying out. Those four things that I mentioned, Bray ain't touching either one of them. You know what I mean? Like, I can make a case for it, and I would have to add up a bunch of nickels to make that quarter. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, so. Bray, uh, Yoko, for the, right there. All right. So, storylines is kind of similar. What storylines would you kind of really harp on? Because this is, the, this is the part where Bray, I think, not peak moment-wise, but Bray might find the
1: edge. Yeah, I think Bray here just because he's much more nuanced. You know, it's yeah, and it's so many different ways he did. Like Yoko, you know, his main gimmick character storyline when he first comes in is just dominant, until dominant heel champion really, and then just kind of, you know, '94 he's kind of like the monster just on the side. Like whenever you need him, they'll come in, but. Not really featured and then from there it's kind of just, you know, tag big guy on this big guy with small guy tag team and so not too much nuanced character work there.
0: Or or, or, or storyline anyway. Storyline. So,
1: yeah, sorry, storyline. Yeah. Um yeah, just
0: the all all the stories with the Wyatt family, all the fiend stuff, the um even the the, the Cena, the the Finn. Even the Ambrose stuff, it's all story. There's there's some decent stuff there within that, really. Um, Nothing fantastic, but kind of Yoko's definitely more moments. Bray is more story. Let's let's just kind of just go check there. All right, so promo skills is hard. Like, do you even want to make a case for Yoko?
1: (laughs) Yeah, not really. I mean, yeah, it's it's Bray's peak, really yeah i liked his uh 96 when he becomes like i've always been able to speak american jim Cornette just didn't want me to speak english i thought that was like kind of cool but yeah it's yeah. not really in the bray wyatt territory it's like kofi kingston oh, you're not jamaican yeah.
0: <laughs> or 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 uh shinsuke turning heel and saying me speak no english <laughs> yeah i get you i remember that but um yeah this is bray wyatt um I already talked about it on the storylines, or the, excuse me, the character work for Bray. I mean, or whatever, so the, or the star charisma, like, the promos have a lot to do with that. Um, It's not close. Bray is a better promo than Yoko. Um, Character, you kind of alluded to it a little bit with Bray. I mean, with Yoko, about the
1: silent charisma, the silent um, presence. Yeah, the stoic. especially when he's champ. Like, I think he gets a little goofier after losing the title, but when he's the champ, he's always very serious looking. Yeah,
0: Yeah. So that aura should definitely help Yoko on all, like all your lists and any of your lists. But, um, geez, just the character is for Bray, love it or hate it. It's the reason why he's so popular and the reason why he would make a list and just, um, You could call it a detriment, but again, I think that's booking and the character is so hard to book in a way. And again, that could be a negative. Um, We'll see now once he kind of has like a long term vision and a long term plan. Um, If we were visiting this in 2023, I think we could have a year of really good storytelling. Yeah. um, Yeah. See where he is then. See where he is then. But again, I don't I don't really think that Yoko is touching him here. Um, unfortunately um so i'm gonna go yoko if i'm gonna go bray but if you fucking hate the bray wyatt character if you think it is terrible if you think it's stupid um if you think i'm stupid for putting up a fight for him yeah sure i get it whatever but um he's just probably not gonna be on your list then you know what i mean but yeah character work wise um yeah yoko is a strong character but just the flexibility within Bray and the ability to use them up and down the card, like because once they were done with Yoko, they weren't able to reinvent them. in really, with Bray, they they're kind of able to reinvent them and get more juice out of the squeeze. And Yoko's character height may have been stronger at one point, but Bray's longer and more depth really. Um, it's just this, if if you can say that depth and substance is a little difference because braid struggles with substance but there's a lot of depth within the character working like acting and yada 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 so great all right so work rate yoko this is an interesting one i uh i believe yoko um similar to warrior in a way too but um very impactful what do you got for a work rate
1: yeah i think you know he was a big guy so he wasn't looking to have you no know, 35 minute matches and you know, I know Brett is critical of their first match, saying that uh, it was supposed to go, you know, he, Yoko supposedly cut out like five minutes in the middle where Brett Hart claimed all his best stuff was. I thought, I still like it. I think it's a good match. Yeah, it's a good little three-star match, you know? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, I mean. It's better than the 10, I think. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, 10, it was kind of, you could see why it's not as great because of the, uh, Both had wrestled matches earlier, but so, yeah, but work right. I would say he was a good big man. He could go give you six, seven, eight minutes of a good time. And that was really what was expected back then. You know, it wasn't Raw, a three hour Raw, where you needed a guy to eat up 12 minutes of in-ring action. You know, if he was getting even a match against another guy on Raw or something, it's going to be a six minute match at most. You know, and he was good in those. So he was very good for his error and for what he was asked to do. But I wouldn't say his work rate was his strongest point. All right.
0: If this makes sense to you, I think his work rate is better than his resume. If if that makes sense to you. And I think Bray's resume is better than his work rate. Bray's not a bad wrestler. I just think Yoko is more impactful for his era and more impactful within his own skill set than bray is in ring and yoko is more compelling in ring than bray is despite bray having a a deeper resume which we'll we'll go a little deeper in the resume i'm giving yo i'm good giving yoko work work right here just because the impactfulness of that small window of effectiveness and like like you said i can't get past the the presence and the silent charisma that he has, and a lot of that is due to his work rate. So I'm good yeah. going work rate. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, That's the reason why he's on your list. That's the reason why I had him 75. You know what I mean? So he deserves to be on the list. You know?
1: I think so. And I think he was, at the time, you remember, for a big man. You know? Yeah. He's a, a huge man, and he was able to not. He, stand were sudden.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. But you watch up until. He goes away the first time in 94 for a couple of months. He is, he is so sudden for anyone, but especially a man as big as he is.
0: Yeah, and he's charismatic, and that comes across great in-ring
1: charisma, too. That should be a, a testament to his work, right, also. All right,
0: hit his resume, and let's get out of here, buddy.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, kind of. The, the two Bret Hart WrestleMania matches are probably two of his top matches. I... Really like the Raw February '94 against Randy Savage. I think that's a that was like one of the early great Raw matches. Um, yeah, but unfortunately that is about it. I some of the Owen Yoko stuff as a team is good, but nothing really cracking three stars. I like the idea of the team. I think a lot more than it actually worked out in practice um they're the six-man tag at Wrestlemania 12 it's it's the opener it's a good little sprint that he could still work in that role you know where he wanted to get the five minutes alone with Yoko's with Jim Cornette but yeah that he doesn't have the deepest uh well of four-star matches yeah his best best match probably is what Wrestlemania 9 yeah I'd say that's Three, maybe three and a half, if you're feeling generous. If you're uh, maybe
0: three and a quarter is generous. But anyways, <laughs> all right. So he's more of a moments guy, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: What,
0: whatever. All right. So I'm just gonna go Bray Wyatt against Daniel Bryan. Uh, you know, a four star match at the Royal Rumble 14. Yeah. Um, probably his best one on one match, and then like you said, Survivor Series as the Fiend and Royal Rumble again as the Fiend, you know, hovering around three and a half, three and three quarters, very good, you know. So for him just to kind of have that on his resume is pretty impressive in my eyes. The Wyatt versus Shield, four, four and a half, four and a quarter, yeah. Raw, Elimination Chamber. um, in, I think I said what, main event,
1: you know? Yeah, I've- I. I remember I was doing the main event recaps for the place to be at the time and I remember watching that and it was like oh my god this is like a four star match on their random wednesday night show yeah it was um, really
0: cool and then you got the Seamus match like a week or so after on main event that was fantastic too yeah that
1: um, was, it was it had some good stuff
0: now did you see the last man standing with cena in the middle of 2014 I think it
1: payback. Yeah, payback. There was yeah, Chicago. Yeah. Did you go to it? No, no. It was. I remember watching it. Like it was the Hawks were playing uh, game seven against the Kings, so I remember having both TVs set up and. Nice. So that was you know that's another high high. I didn't grade it, but I've seen high
0: stars on on that one. That's another high star match for him. Uh, Wyatt Hell Ambrose Hell in the Cell. Oh, excuse me Ambrose TLC singles
1: again exploding TV.
0: Yeah. Again, fun. You know what I mean? It wasn't the hell in the cell nonsense that we would get into later, but still fun. You know, that's so he is a pretty good 2014. I think that was why I had him on my list and I had him pretty high. He was good in the rumble in 15 and it's a bad rumble. Three stars at the undertaker, WrestleMania 31 in the return. Um, Roman Reigns four stars at Payback at Battleground fifteen, uh, SummerSlam with with Harper against Ambrose and Roman three and a half. Yeah, that's good. I like that, 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 that. Really, yeah, pretty fun match there. Strowman and Harper against Jericho Ambrose at uh, Night of Champions four. Roman Hell in a Cell three and a half. Uh, the The Undertaker and Kane match again four. I'm uh, not four. Three and a half ish um the the fun not three and a half three, i have a three and a quarter i read that wrong the fun ecw three-star match you know it would dreamer and the dudley boys and rhino yeah
1: that was good
0: <laughs> it's harmless but it's fun um and then it gets a little muddy here not much in 16 um he wins the title in 17 at, at um elimination chamber elimination chamber again a great elimination chamber match. It's hard to put that on him. Um, an MSG show against Cena, four stars. I have that in a, uh, I think that was a network special, maybe? Was that? Yeah, special? I think it was right before.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So that's definitely an underrated match right there. Um, Finn Balor, three stars at No Mercy. Um, Rumble 18, he was in it short. Yeah, I think he was, I ha, that's like an all-time Rumble. He was in it, but I don't really remember him. Didn't he have, like, wonkiness with Hardy? This is when he was, like, fucking around with Hardy. Um, And then the Fiend stuff I mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, I think him and Hardy eliminated each other or something.
0: Yeah, it was quick or whatever. But um, the, the two Brian matches, the strap match, I had it three and three quarters. And I had the Survivor Series match at three and a half so even within this fiend environment you know still very very good matches with daniel Bryan. in three and a, i had three and a half for the firefly funhouse cinematic match with um with cena and if there was more action i would go higher i fucking love that match man so brian cena all-time guys shield stuff all-time guys um again the resume i would easily go wyatt here and i think his resume is look he slept on you have that 14 um last man standing match with cena that i know is excellent you got the brian stuff the uh, a little few roman matches sprinkled in that are very good um but again then again you got the duds you got the one you got the fiend shit with fucking goldberg the fiend shit with Strowman. um so it's just how you want want to weigh that the orton fucking worm shit um so it's, it's really just weighing out the shit but it's not like you're weighing mediocre shit with with actual shit um he he has good stuff in there if you reach for it and you search for it um he faces a lot of stars he's relied on he doesn't win a lot of big matches but he is used effectively as a character um the stuff is impactful he i don't know i would make a case for him i think he belongs on the list i don't think he's going to make a lot of lists he gets so much hate because of the illuminated bad stuff um you can't deny that it's just really how are you going to weigh the bad stuff I think there's plenty of good stuff to weigh, but the bad stuff should definitely take away from that. So, I don't know. I would consider him on your list. I think there's definitely enough there to get him on your list. And if he's not on your list, I actually understand, and I'm really not going to put up a stink. You know, some guys I would put up, like, if, if Rollins or Edge are on, you know, those type of, and Triple H are on your list, I think it's petty. If if Wyatt's not on your list, I understand. Let's just put it that way. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't know if he'll have enough i think if we're doing like you said earlier if we're doing this a year it'd be interesting to see where he'd be because i'm interested to see when he actually gets going with this new gimmick you know what's it going to translate to in the ring and i say
0: take your time man i'm not in a rush to get oh yeah
1: yeah i would say
0: the character needs so much recap
1: that's fine by me
0: that's a that's a great spot you know what i mean if 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 he ends up targeting Cody as his rookie, and he just kind of lays out the seeds of going through his history of guys again, you know what I mean? And if the guys aren't completely damaged coming out of it, and it's compelling TV, and they actually do good stuff, I think I think there's a chance for to be a like a Undertaker, you know return you know what i mean like at, uh at how the undertaker had those two chapter careers and there's so much shit in the undertaker's career but we kind of overlook it because the high shit is super high um yeah but i don't know i honestly i'm not sure if i had wyatt higher i mean i had yoko higher 10 spots than wyatt so i don't necessarily i'm not necessarily sure if wyatt jumps him but i think both guys why it might hover around 85 for me, and Yoko may jump past it. I don't know. We'll see. I'll, hey, I'll let you know, Ryan. But hey, we're going long, But here's the thing: this is such a niche thing that we do. I don't think the vo- the, the, the the volume
1: matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People that are going to listen. Going to listen to it. Yeah, we banged
0: out four guys. You know what I mean? So we'll see. But at the you know, let's just total it up real quick. Wyatt had longevity, charisma, star power. Um, storylines, promos, and character work, and, oh, resume, actually. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven categories for Wyatt. And then Yoko killed him on peak moments, and Yoko is a better in-ring guy. In flexibility, they
1: both suck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're yeah. both very, so, very mobile, very non-mobile.
0: Yeah, so, but Yoko grades well in charisma, grades well in star power, grades well in um character work raids well in promo eh, so it's just like the promos are going to kill him the resume is going to kill him he's a decent wrestler um the peak moments are pretty are going to help him the intrepid the rumble the two wrestlemanias um i like his style power a lot his charisma is there his longevity sneaky impactful because he's on top the whole time yeah i
1: think that's the thing that you don't think of with him.
0: Oh, so, we'll see. I I think Yoko should definitely be on your list. I'm not going to lie, Ryan 40 is kind of high in my opinion, but hey, we'll see. We'll see. He might
1: be slipping, you know. That was five years ago, so there's plenty. I'm looking around him. There's a couple of guys. Like, Finn Balor was below him. He'll probably go up a little. Yeah. Charlotte. Yep. The
0: girls are going to pass him.
1: Yeah. Sami Zayn. Sami, yeah. Now. Kofi. KO. Yeah. 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 So. There's a lot of people... It'll probably pass him up, but still going to be in this. He'll be in the middle of the list. I don't know. It might be more the back end of
0: the 50s, 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And I'm going to guess that he'll probably be in the 80s. Hey, buddy, I'm going to Albany, and I got to. I'll be on a bus for five fucking hours combined. Maybe I'll start my list.
1: What do you think? With, with, with the high school kids?
0: Yeah, I got to go to Albany Academy. So I got quite the truck. I got to go to Union College. We got a game at Union College. It's two hours and 25 minutes school to school. And uh, we're going to have, like, torrential downpour on the way there and back in, in the middle of the game. I don't think they're going to pause the rain for the middle of the game. So I'm bringing a change of clothes. I'm going to be fucking miserable. And uh, we're probably a three-point dog. So we'll see how it goes.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, good luck with all of that. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's the last game of the season unless we make a bowl game. So it's, it's a fitting way to end the season. But I've had a blast. On this pod and on the season, so Ryan, I think we're gonna do one more thing before the end of the year yep. and um, wrap this up. We'll wrap this project up. If you guys have any questions about GWWE, hit me up, hit Tyler up, hit Ryan up. We'll get you, we'll get you in the Facebook group. We'll get it flowing and going. And
1: uh, Ryan, I'll see you one more time, buddy. Sounds good. All right, guys, we'll catch you on the next one.